This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. Alex Navarro, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. That's starting with me. Hi. Uh-huh. Yep. Starting starting with you. Doing well? Yeah. Doing all right. Having a productive couple of days here while my partner's out of town. Great. Uh, look, it's pretty pleasant weather out there. Nice, which makes my mood happier. Oh, I'm like, not going outside. No. Good, good for you. Don't no, I've just know. been putting together my game shelf here. Game shelf. Yeah. Brad Shoemaker, how are Hi. you? Hello. Doing well. The sun's out today. That's always nice. Feeling a dark urge here and there, but just <laughs> trying to suppress it and move on. Don't give in to the dark urge. Or no do give in questions. to the dark urge. Or do? <laughs> or do. We are going to be talking about Baldur's Gate 3 here, the official release uh, of Baldur's Gate 3. So uh, we're just going to jump into it because probably a decent amount to get through before we hit the first break here. Yeah, you, you seem like you're bursting to talk about it. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this game. We're going to talk about it. There'll probably be some minor spoilers in there if you haven't started the game yet. Of course, the PlayStation 5 version is still about uh, a month-ish away. Uh, we're not going to go too in detail here. I think, um, Brad, you're still fairly early on, so I don't oh, even know if, if you could spoil too much. Uh, I'll, I, I kind of made a basically a throwaway character just to poke at the mechanics, Okay, I would say. 
more than like try to make a lot of progress. I don't consider this my like real character. So if you're listening yeah. to this, like it's we're probably just going to talk about the basic overall vibe of it and what's been going on, what we like about it, what we don't like about it. Nothing specific on the story side. Um, but Brad, you have been playing some of the Dark Urge stuff, so we might yeah. get into some of that. But let's let's maybe start with um, since this game has been out in some form or another for around not two years, but you know, let's say a year and three quarters. I think it was October 2020 ish when this thing actually hit early access. You guys play much of this? Not 2020? Oh. No, 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 no. Wait, wasn't it? Mm, I think that so. Right. That, that's like three years. I yeah. feel like didn't didn't we do a quick look of this when it went into early oh, that's access? Right. Twenty twenty three. Yes. Um. This thing has been out for a while. I, like, I feel like not long after the pandemic started, even I think. Jeez, I can't remember. It has been. It's been a long road. Uh, are, are you looking it up, Alex? I would yes, like I am. You're right. Yeah, September fact, it was September twenty twenty. It was October sixth, twenty twenty. That seems damn, impossible somehow, damn, but it was in fact the case. Damn near, damn near three years of early access yeah so this uh this has been around for a while it's been iterated a while so you know not all of the game obviously in early access i think it was mostly act one has been in early access they did a pretty big um dump of stuff leading up to the full release some new characters some new classes um and obviously the rest of the game that's in there and they changed up some of the early stuff in the game so uh so again uh just to kind of go back brad you had you played much in early access not not at all. I have like very little experience with this kind of CRPG other okay. than I played a good 15 20 hours of Divinity Original Sin, the first one and thought it was fantastic. Sure. I always know but, you're a DOS guy. Yes, <laughs> exactly, but I I never played any of these games back in the day. Um uh Alex, did you play in early access? I played some. I played like the okay. intro bit and kind of got into that first town area, uh, but then I kind of put it down because I was like, I don't want to get too deep into this <laughs> until the actual thing comes around because I knew all not all the content was in there. Yeah, not only was the content not in there, the saves would not come over. So yeah. that was kind of a, that was kind of a big one too. And they they changed a decent amount of stuff, so I can see why that would happen. So this is Larian Studios' take on Boulder's Gates, obviously Boulder's Gates uh, of Bioware fame, very beloved. Uh, kind of CRPG, like we just said, from back in the old isometric CRPG craze. Mm -hmm. <laughs> old, good old Infinity Engine. Yeah, maybe, uh, would you say probably Baldur's Gate 2-ish is one of those ones you just hear as like a gold standard for I that? Don't, I always wonder like which one is the one, or even, even if there is a one from that period, because <laughs> it's like both Baldur's Gates, isn't Icewind Dale another yep, one? Yeah, yep, uh, Planescape. Planescape Torment. Yeah. Like they were just cranking those things out and I feel like they're all beloved on different levels. Yeah. I, I, I played Baldur's Gate kind of a little later, um, and, and, and went through it. I don't think I ever finished either of them. Uh, they're a little tougher to go back to these days. I, I went back with those enhanced editions and tried going back, you know, they're the story stuff is still good, but the, and they added some quality of life things, but it's just, you know, they're. I was more of a Neverwinter guy, and that was post Infinity Engine of a Neverwinter and Kotor. I feel like are in those in those veins. And this, I'll tell you, this game has me thinking about Kotor a lot. Uh, sure, I it's, can see that. You know, it's obviously not Bioware, but I think there's something about the. I didn't play a ton of uh, Divinity either. I played some. I dabbled in it, but there's something about the party mechanics and the interactions that just feel like they are plucking the same strings that KOTOR did in, in a way, like just mm. very similar like interactions. And it might be <clears throat> some of Larian's 
tongue in cheek or, or let's just say even more cheeky, let's say, uh, takes on, on stuff. Like they give you a lot of silly options for, for dialogue choices. And if you want to role play. So, uh, Baldur's Gate three now out, uh, on yes. PC officially. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, it's like crazy to step back and remember that like this game and mass effect are on different branches of yeah. the same family tree. Yeah. Basically. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, bold, uh, mass effect, literally a, a, uh, direct lineage with Bioware, right? right. It's and, like, like mass effect might as well be the sequel to KOTOR, right? Right. At least in terms of development. I, there, there is, maybe there is a world where Bioware, so, uh, some team within Bioware made Baldur's Gate 3, but Larian kind of picked it up and went that way, kind of down the more Baldur's Gate path, and I feel like Bioware went down the, we're owned by EA and need to make <laughs> these types of more action mm-hmm. game path. Um, and listen, I love Mass Effect, so it's, it's, it's all alright, because I think Larian has done a fantastic job here. My short overview is I've put a lot of hours into this so far. I don't even know what the count is because my hour count is completely messed up because my kids are also playing on the PC. Mm. But, um, and I had early access stuff. My hour count says somewhere in the 70 plus hours at this point, but it is not there, you know, in, in this release of it. I had 20 something hours before in early access. Um, I played and I fell asleep overnight with the thing on. You know, it's one of those. I've been up late playing a lot of Baldur's Gate and I really, really like it. Um, my kind of sense of D and D fifth edition with Baldur's Gate is I think it's doing a pretty good job of trying to map into fifth edition rules. It reminds me of how much I hate a fifth edition game that plays rules as written because there are things in Baldur's Gate that are like, Oh, come on, Mm. dude. I'm like inches away from this guy and you're going to say I'm too shy to make this attack or you know, things that are a DM would rule and be like, you're close enough. You know, yeah. is that something that is not the case in not five? E- what is the current edition? Fifth edition. Is it still five? Yeah. They're, they're like the whole move out of fifth edition is kind of a mess. We shouldn't get into it, but, um, they have their big anniversary coming up for, I forget what year anniversary, but it's a big anniversary. People love fifth edition. I think they feel the need to put something new out, but now don't forget wizards of the coast is owned by Hasbro is owned by some, like holding company. I forget what the, who, who the top line on Hasbro is. And they've had a lot of they're, serious stepping in dog shit moments recently. Mm, they're probably, they're probably part of yum brands at this point. Probably, so probably like Pepsi, a pizza hut and, <laughs> and dungeons and dragons. I started to say TSR, which really is just <laughs> dating me at this point, I guess. Yeah. Cause does they even use it? use that name anymore? No, that's a separate thing that has gone. I feel like has gone in and out of bankruptcy like three times. I don't know. I could be getting that Lord. totally wrong, but, um, but, you know, look, 5th edition, I think, was getting to a pretty good place or is in a pretty good place. The whole brand with Dungeons & Dragons has had a lot of work to do over the years to kind of make it a, a more inclusive game. And I think, feel like they are taking those steps. They've been This is not really Boulder's Gate related, but they have been pushed, I think, along by things like Pathfinder, which have also uh, tried to make the games uh, feel more inclusive and, you know, shake off some of the more, um, let's say... Uh, uh, not healthy parts of D and D that have you know for a game that was made in the seventies. Let's just say it uh, wasn't the most mindful. They've nudged some everything. things, maybe a little more modern. <laughs> yeah, some yes. sensibilities. Yeah, and I, I think it's done a pretty good job of of some of that, and you know, still work to go. But Baldur's Gate Three, boy, let me tell you, it feels like it is trying to be 
a lot of things to a lot of people and maybe succeeding in that way from, cause as soon as you get into that character creator, you've got a decent amount of options. It is not one of those move your cheekbones and nasal bones and stuff around. I was surprised that there was not more of a facial slider set up, but it's, I think there's just four, four preset body types and like maybe a dozen faces or something. And that's it. It depends on what, um, what origin you pick or what, uh, what race you pick for your character on depend. Some will have two, some will have four, some might have six. I'm not sure. I think generally it's like small frame, large frame for the body types. And then kind of, um, whether you kind of default stock, uh, uh, male or, or female, and then you can go in and change kind of, um, uh, mess around with you know oh okay i want this body type but i want to be gendered female or i want this or i want to be non-gendered or i want to be uh, you know <laughs> they even have one of the first games i may have ever seen that has a genitalia selector for different Ooh. types of genitalia that uh, conan th- game also had some version they of had that, sliders right? it was, it was sliders yeah. that's what yeah. it was so this lets you kind of mix and match a lot of body types in even genitalia which is you know um I think great. Build the idealized version you want to represent your character here. Which yeah. I, and I think they're doing a pretty good job in that. They actually just had to patch in some stuff that was funny in their patch notes where certain penises were clipping through clothing, which mm-hmm. was a very fun patch note. To I heard say. the gnome wizards were missing their undies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't have minded like the, the full on insane character creator sliders for everything, like tweak every single thing. Yeah. Every which way, like it would be nice to have that, but like it's the camera's so pulled out most of the time. I mean, you do see your character in cutscenes up close, but maybe, maybe it wasn't worth that much work for the character creator for a game that's like a kind of overhead perspective. May, yeah, maybe, but they it it looks pretty good when your character's up close. So yeah, it, the characters look good for sure. They look good, um, but the character creator runs through some pretty standard fifth edition rules for making your character, and uh, you can make your own character with. Uh, you don't get to like type in an origin story or anything like that, but you do make your own character that has um, nothing tied to it necessarily. And then you can pick from a kind of like divinity. You can pick the pre pre made characters if you want. That was the thing that like, I mean, you tell me, was this like something from the infinity engine games and everybody's just gonna be like, yeah, duh, dude, like that's like core to all of these things. But like, I knew of like uh, Shadowheart and Gale from watching you play it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I knew of them as like story party members, right? The companions, yeah, right. But can you also just play them as your character? So that I, I don't is know if I would say that there? Infinity. Yes, that is what you could do. But I don't know if huh. I would call that Infinity Engine as much as Larian. Like I think that's okay. very um, okay. Divinity, maybe maybe Divinity had that, and I forgot. Um, it just like everything about this game just gives the impression that like anything is possible or that like it accounts for literally any choice you can possibly make. And there probably is some writing around making that glue together with the rest of the story. You know what I mean? It's like, it's one thing to be able to like make your own character and pick an origin and a race and all this stuff, but to also account for you like plucking characters out of the story who are supposed to be party members and making them your playable character instead, like seems Seems nuts to me. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I, from, I uh, just from a, just from a like matrix of possibilities <laughs> kind of standpoint, you know what I mean? So I, I tried, um, I have my character, which is your, uh, which my main, my main save is make my own character, do my own thing. And then I tried starting up with three or four of the pre-made characters to see how different it is. You do get some slightly different cutscene in the beginning, um, in that pre-rendered stuff. Uh, at least, uh, I watched the full one again 
for the gith character to be like well what are they going to do because you meet this character on the ship like halfway through the ship how are they going to show that in this opening scene and it is a little different um but that being said they kind of funnel back into a starting point there on the beach after the ship at least from the three that i tried i tried uh the gith character um i tried uh well there's some other characters that you don't meet until way later on. Uh, I tried that them as well. So, uh, and they kind of funneled me back to the beach and they don't do, they do the same thing they do with your character, which is your character's dialogue. You, you don't hear it even for those pre-made characters, which is a little weird because in the companion side of things, you, they are fully voiced. And then mm. when they, they're your playable character, those lines are not read. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it made me think like like the character you're talking about. She is in the intro, and then after the ship crashes, she's gone. I don't know how. Yeah. If yes. you're not playing as her, I don't know how quickly they bring her back into the story. But like, I assume that your companions are not with you 100 percent of the game. You know, it's like I assume they go off at times and leave and go serve some other purpose. So it makes me wonder, like, if you're playing that character, are you going off to play those events instead, or do they write around it and send some other character off to do that? part of the plot and you know what i mean but like so on the ship where you meet that character you meet a totally different character okay that that is that they then kill off after the ship interesting (laughs) yeah yeah, like i got like mass effect 3 tackled that pretty hard because they had to because so many people Mm -hmm. could be dead by the time you got to three you know Mm -hmm. and and then there's like there's a whole there's a whole alternate roster it's like a whole alternate reality version of your crew of of other characters like oh there's a different krogan who can serve rex's role in the story and stuff like that so um the thing i was concerned about and I, I talked to some other folks who have been playing a bit more was would you get more of the companion story if you played that as your character right like right. would you would you because their their stories are really interesting the companion characters they have probably the most depth your character really is a blank slate that has kind of no background character at all unless unless uh <laughs> Maybe we should get into it later, but unless you pick the Dark Urge. <laughs> unless you pick the Dark Urge, which is uh, the pre-made character that you can change class and ancestry, or sorry, race in it. They uh, they have they have their own story background, which is which is super cool. Dark Urge seems like the character Larian put in it to be like, we know you want an evil character. Like mm-hmm. we 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 know you want to make the most horrible worst decisions possible. Let's just yeah, give you an opportunity to do that. So I, I, I am right at the beginning with that character. So there's no spoilers here because I haven't seen that much, but I, I made a, what is it? They start you as a, uh, is it Dragonborn? Dragonborn. It? Yeah. That's, that seems like such a Skyrim thing. It's weird <laughs> to say, but, um, they start you as a Dragonborn. I, I tried making a, a female drow fighter instead just to see uh-huh. how much you could change it up and you totally can, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think that archetype is just a fucking demonic serial killer. <laughs> yeah. It's literally like that's all what they the, pitched it as. Yeah. You, you literally just get little extra bits of narration around different interactions out of nowhere that basically describe your un, your irresistible urge to kill yep. over and over. <laughs> like it really threw me off guard. It's like literally on the beach, you know, like after the ship crashes and there's all these dead fresh fishermen around everywhere. Yeah presumably people who died in the ship that like the ship landed on or whatever. It's a big ship. Yeah. Like you walk up to the first one of those and you normally, I assume any other character type, you would just loot the corpse and move on. It straight up goes to a cutscene <laughs> of you staring at the fisherman with the narration saying like, I can't remember what it says. It's just like, <clears throat> like a, 
like a, a sinister, mysterious feeling takes hold of you as you stand over the corpse. Oh dear. You know, and it just goes on and on about like the bizarre feeling in your mind. And like I, I did a, I did some skill check there. It was like, try to remember your past. And I did a skill check that I passed. And then it was like, it's like visions of this scene playing out thousands of times before float into your mind. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like death after death after death. Like, like you feel the urge to kill and kill and kill again. Oh, so, it's wow. F- fucking dark, man. It's crazy. So uh, they revealed that the dark urge wasn't an early access. They revealed that right before they went 1.0 uh, at one of their big events. And that was basically, yes, a like a serial killer was kind of like, I think one, yeah. I don't know if this verbatim what they said, it's, but, um, it's kind of disturbing. Like actually the end of that little interlude with the dead villager straight up was a choice of like, it was like, like an evil smile starts to creep onto your lips and it's just like the choices are like, like resist, resist the urge. This is wrong. Or just like, like embrace the smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I picked that one and the characters just got this like awful placid <laughs> grin on their face. Oh, you found your smile. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of disturbing. So I think that again, I think that I'm saving the dark. I'm saving the dark urge. I'm waiting to on a second playthrough to play through that. Um, my character is basically now trying to be as good as I, I want them to be. It's it's really interesting. Um, again, I'm not going to get into spoilers here, but they have this whole mechanic that I think I'm going to pretty much be avoiding the, my entire playthrough. Um, that I'm not going to dabble in because I feel like my character and what I feel like is I don't want to engage with it. It's just not a thing that my character would engage with. And it's, it's going to basically, cause I looked at some of it up is going to mean that I'm not going to have this whole other part of the game open up for me. Uh, huh. is yeah. that, is that something that came with your class or your, no, 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 it's origin? A main, mainline story it, stuff. Or is it, is it everybody, something everybody yeah. gets? Yeah. Huh. It, it's, you don't, you don't, you don't want to say what? I, I don't want to say what or where it goes because, um, mm. you know, it is part of the mainline story stuff, but, um, people, people who've played it will know exactly what I'm talking about because it's unavoidable. Uh, it's part of the mainline story stuff, but I'm not is engaging it, with it and I'm saying, no, not going to do it. No. Does it have, does it have anything to do with shadow heart by chance? Uh, I mean, it, since it's mainline story stuff, yes, but not in the way okay. I think you mean. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. It has more to do with the, the premise and the setup of, um, you know, you've got this, uh, the, the setup is, this is not spoilers. The main thing you are, you and your party of companions are all infected with this oh, uh, right. mind flare okay. parasite. Okay. Um, I, I, yes. Yes. I thought you were talking about something else to, uh, yes, yes. So, uh, so like, you know, I, um, you know, you, you can sometimes have the opportunity to engage and, and do make choices based on having this parasite in your head. And I've been trying to be like, I'm not, I'm not messing with that thing, man. I'm not, that's, that seems like some trickery. Uh, I'm not, I'm not giving into it. Just, just taking the temperature, like the vibe of how this game rolls. I wonder if there's like some hidden timer ticking away, (laughs) like something (laughs) crazy happens if you don't deal with the parasite. Yeah. I don't know. I, um, I've been kind of rolling with it. I'm still, I think I'm relatively early on. I think I'm still in act ones, if that means something to everybody, but I've been kind of exploring every nook and cranny and cranny of of the world, having a lot of fun with it. A lot of fun with the character interactions. I'm shocked at how much voice work is in this game. Like just seems like every character you come along has at least one line to say, which is voiced, which, which is shocking. It's, it's like a 130 gig download for a game that is, you know, again, with like a pulled out camera and stuff. I was like, boy, that's a large install for this type of game. <laughs> so that, that makes sense. Uh, 
I, you know, it's not without its hiccups and, um, you know, seeing some of the scenes, seams in, in, in what's going on. I've, but they have already put out a patch, which they said addressed over like 300 things, which I read through it and was like, okay. Um, some of the stuff in it isn't perfect and it's never going to be a, re- uh, like a recreation of a tabletop game. You're just not going to get that no matter even if you replace the whole thing with the greatest and latest AI, there's just something about a human interaction, which is going to be this DM is not here to do collaborative storytelling with you. This DM is here to kill you. This in, in battles, this DM is here to win. Right. Like, yeah. and it's, you know, they have, uh, I figure what they call the, the most, uh, uh, narrative focused one, but they have that option for difficulty balanced. And I think it's tactician tactician all the way on the right. I'm playing on balanced and those battles can go wrong very quickly. Also, they will attack your corpse when you're downed, which is like an effed up thing to do. Yes. And if, like, if yeah. a DM ever did that, I'd be like, dude, I'm not playing this with you anymore. You don't attack the downed corpse to to put you into a death state. You, you know, it's not cool, man. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool in a way for every single thing that happens to be that consequential. I mean, oh. I'm sure, I'm sure, well, A, you need to get used to quick saving very quickly. Oh my like, gosh. I, I learned that very fast. Uh, like, like quite literally the first battle after the tutorial fast when I lost like 20 minutes of progress. Is that the, when you fight those two, it's, uh, it's where you fight the three brain dogs yes, on the ship. Yes. Cause you can wander back onto the ship and like, yes, I barely beat them. I did beat them, but like I, it was a little close. They'll do some damage, man. Uh, but then I walked right up to one of those. And again, I was just kind of playing around with the game to see how things worked. But I walked up to one of the little mind flayer tanks, uh-huh. the little purple, yeah. glowy just went up to it and clicked it with my sword to see what would happen. And then like immediately killed my whole party and I had, and I had lost like 20 minutes. Like I said, it's like, I I think that's cool. I like, especially like me having played a lot more Japanese RPGs back in the day, like where random encounters just turned into an absolute grind, you know? Yeah. Like those were the throwaway battles, you know, it's like you, you don't die on random encounters. You only die on boss fights. So to have a game like an RPG where like literally every, like literally the first fight in the game outside of the intro there, can be deadly is is kind of a, an adjustment. So it's a video game still, right? So again, it's coming, going tabletop to video game. It is going to do things that are going to be frustrating and annoying that wouldn't happen necessarily in a tabletop game. Also, you don't have all of the freedoms you have in a tabletop game. There was one part where I crashed this rock hanging, hanging suspended rock through a floor. And I couldn't necessarily, if I were playing a tabletop game, I'd be like, I want to look in or, or listen in to see if there's anything down there. And I couldn't do that. So I jumped down there and wound up in a, an encounter, which was way above my level. Um, and again, it's one of those things where I hadn't quick saved that recently. and was like, Oh, do I want to lose 20 minutes or do I want to try and save scum my way through this battle? Right. And I had, I had, but the cool thing was I had separated my rogue from the party. So when you separate, you can ungroup people from the party. So while three of my party was engaged in a battle, the separated rogue was still above ground outside of the hole and was able to sneak in the back door through a, a, a passing a, a dialogue check to get inside this base, then murder everyone on the way to meeting the party. Wow. And then cool get in behind them and just start murdering everybody from the back as my party was fighting towards the front. And that was kind of rad. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that's pretty fucking cool. I mean, is that 
is that a specific mechanic that you have to do? Like you to have detach to, somebody from the party. Is that you're like clicking a button to do that? Yeah. So you're, you you're can, not just walking them away, I guess. Is what um, no, you drag them from the portrait side and to snap them off and you can separate the entire party, which you can cheese it a little bit because you can have one party member engage in a battle. And as long as your other party members are hidden, each of them will get a surprise attack jumping huh. into the battle on the enemy. And which means that, Oh, that enemy didn't see the three other people behind mm. here. It's valid. You're totally. Just, you're just a company of brigands, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, you, you can you can murder as many things as you want. Um, uh, I've I've saved scum a bit. I'm not playing Iron Man through this, uh, especially as I learn the mechanics. Like, if I'm... If I do terribly during a battle, I will sometimes just be like, you know what? I blew too much. You know, this is... So tabletop D&D has a thing where you take long rests and so there's this, right? You get, you, you're going to spend resources and in tabletop D&D 5e, 5th edition, you will take a long rest and depending on your DM, that might cost you some supplies or not. This, to, to kind of account for that, costs you limited supplies that you have to take a long rest. You have to use camp supplies so you're not long resting all the time. Um, so... As far as people can correct me if I'm wrong, but in fifth edition, generally like the players, the dungeon master's handbook is like, you should probably be a party should, you should expect a party to do two short rests and then a long rest. And that's kind of what this game adopts. It seems like, Hey, you should be able to do like a couple of encounters and then take a long rest and not just long rest ever, ever over every encounter. So you get short rest, which will get you some abilities and health back and you get two of those. And then to get anything back like that, you'd need a long rest. It's an interesting way for them to gate, not just abusing the long rest mechanic to have mm-hmm. that stuff happen. And and when you take a long rest, you go back to your camp and that's where a lot of the narrative um, bookmarking happens with your party members. It's where it's like going back to your ship in mass effect. And it's like, you know, like in mass effect, you'd have to do some missions and then you get the dialogue to come back. The equivalent of that seems like doing a long rest and then suddenly your companion has like a new thing to say that moves their side plot. They all have their side plots and, and, and stuff. Does, does, it, does it seem like you could ever miss anything by resting too frequently or too soon? Like if you like go do a long rest, you're going to trigger some next step in the story when you weren't ready to move on yet kind of thing? Uh, I don't I don't know if you would miss anything you might get it earlier than I, I'm not sure what flags are being ticked when in, in the game. Uh, <laughs> Fucking I'm actually realizing as I'm talking about this, I actually have just have been scarred by the experience of reviewing mass effect two before it mm. was out. Mm. And anybody knew what the timer was before the suicide mission mm. and, and losing Kelly chambers and half my crew. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Not, like, are you advancing about, too quickly? Not knowing about the hidden mechanics of like, oh, you can only do so many missions after the Reaper IFF before people start dying type stuff, stuff like that. You know, so I'm like, I'm always conscious in games like this of what hidden triggers are going on behind the scenes Uh, that you might stumble into. I have not seen or in talking to a bunch of people heard about anything like that yet. So like, like, oh, make sure you do this before you do this. I have not heard about anything like that. Again, I'm still fairly early on. Um. But I've been, I've been having a good time. Like, exploring and abusing the mechanics in this game yeah. has been super fun. Like that thing with the rogue, right? Like, once that happened to me once, I started setting up encounters like that where I'll split the party up, surround a group, and then initiate the fight with somebody. There's fall damage, so you can, like, shoot stuff out from people. You know, you can you can have them... Fall, put, they, 
put shove on a bonus action so you can hit somebody and then just shove them with a free action or a bonus action to push a lot of people into pits. Um, it's cool, man. I'm having a lot of fun um, basically mucking around with the combat. Um, I, you know, I hope they, even now, I still hope they add more classes soon. You know, the class I play in my main D&D game, which is a Soul Knife Rogue, is not in the game, and I want that to be in the game because it's a cool-ass class. Uh, I'm playing a wild magic sorcerer, sorceress, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, big old tiefling, uh, and she... Uh, the wild magic stuff is cool. It basically means if you do this mechanic, Tides of Fate, which can give you advantage on some rolls, uh, there's a random spell effect next time. I got polymorphed into like a sheep for uh, about nine rounds of combat. Um, one time, I just got this bubble around me. It's it's like a fun, dumb mechanic uh, that I've always liked in 5th edition. So like, they're, they're implementing a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's been pretty approachable as a novice so far. I mean, it, oh, good. Okay. it's mostly pretty self-explanatory. I think the only thing I wish they were a little more aggressive about is just telling you when to hit in turn. I mean, I know there's <laughs> meters that basically make it seem like you're ready to go, but yeah. And then, you know, the abilities are grayed out when you can't use them anymore. Like it, I guess I almost wish it had an option to, well, you can, you put it, you can also undo in turn. So I guess you don't want them to take that control away from you. You necessarily. can undo it. If you have linked initiative with another okay. character, if oh, your initiative is split, yeah, they'll, so they'll show it in the top there. Okay. So that's the kind of stuff I don't quite grasp as a newcomer that it doesn't really tell you. I don't think I saw tutorials for stuff like that, where it's just like a little unclear if I should just hit in turn and move on or if I'm wasting opportunities that I'm not seeing. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I've played with a controller and with a mouse and keyboard and they do the thing where they completely change the UI for like a whole different UI for a controller. And I feel like on the controller, it's more clear what your action economy is with the controller because it actually says actions one at the bottom of the screen, bonus action one or zero at the bottom of the screen. And then it has little tip. Uh, I think this is in the mouse and keyboard one too. It has pips for your spell slots. So, um, um, but it just says literally you have one action, you know, whereas I think on the mouse and keyboard one, it's like if that dot is lit up or not, right. The actions dot or the bonus actions thing. Uh, they do radio menus on the uh, controller, which is interesting that you can customize. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty functional on a controller, but mouse and keyboard, it seems a lot more efficient in my estimation, having played both now for a bit. I'm actually kind of excited for this to come to PS5 and with cross save stuff. It seems like it could be pretty easy to jump back and forth. Yeah, it really seems like a game that encourages repeat playthroughs because so many different things can happen and you can do things so differently. Like even just going through the first hour, it's like, can you leave Shadowheart on the ship? Like you Mm -hmm. meet her in a pod on the ship. Can you Mm -hmm. just like opt to not open that pod and, and she's just not in the game from then on or... I don't know if they would completely get rid of her in the game, but you can okay. definitely not like when I was playing with Dave, we just murdered every NPC we saw. So that was the other thing I tried was, um, uh, I didn't leave her behind up there. I, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go with the kind of golden path on that. But yeah. then you guys fought her after you had, she'd gotten up and was like awake, right? Yeah. Okay. So I, especially <laughs> as the dark urge character, <laughs> I just walked up to her and clicked her with sword and she died in one hit. Like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Killed her while she was still unconscious. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then took all of the stuff she had. Okay. Like, I'm just fascinated by the different branch, all the branching that could happen in this and and the different choices you could make like that, that like 
feel like you're breaking the game, but I assume they've accounted for it all and it's legitimate. Yeah, the um the, that stuff sounds awesome. Also the the class specific or origin specific dialogue options seem neat. It's that stuff gets a little clunky here and there where depending on which character you're controlling in your party because you can have direct control of any character in your party, you might stumble onto a dialogue check in a place that you don't want that character to be the one the front man uh in that in that check. And sometimes it's not as easy as it should be to just switch into another character for that dialogue. Sometimes you can just say leave and you'll be able to come back and do another check with a different character. Sometimes you can fail the check. Somebody will be like, get out of here or I'll kill you. And then just switch to a different character and come back and be like, hi, hi, what's your, what's your situation? Like, oh, you're my best friend. Okay, come on in. So sometimes it feels a little clunky in in that regard. Uh, but it's, it's okay. I've still been able to really enjoy it. And um, the characters I have in my party so far. I have enjoyed all of them. Uh, I just met this new character, uh, this barbarian character that I'm like, oh, you're staying in this party. You were, I'm kicking someone else out. Like, I'm bummed you can only have four in the party. Oh, is that not somebody who's in that list of origin characters at the beginning? Uh, they are, I think, but oh, okay. uh, uh, they I, I weren't in early if... access, so I, oh, I wasn't I very familiar with them. Um, they, they are uh, like, uh, um, man, so much fun stuff has already happened to my main character that I want to talk about. And like, Stuff I've been talking to people on the Discord and people being like, whoa, you saw what? You did this? Mine happened this way. And it's just been those kinds of stories which uh, – or like, oh my gosh, that happened to you? Uh, yeah, that happened to me. And like I reloaded when that happened. Like I didn't. I just went with it. Um, plus being able to just run around everywhere naked but naked is pretty uh, – just a pretty good option. Everybody gets their uh, – Now you're talking about language. <laughs> Everybody gets their like camp clothes and their regular clothes, or you oh, can is just that, is that where the clothing shows up? I was wondering because yeah. when I killed Shadowheart, I looted Shadowheart's clothes, but then like I put underwear. them on and, and yeah. I didn't see any difference. Yeah, yeah. There's your like fighting clothes, your underwear, and your camp clothes, uh, and or you could just take everything off and and just have everybody in camp be butt ass <laughs> naked, uh, which is always a sounds fun like option. the way to go it's yeah yeah like the, man they're really undermining the <laughs> nude mod aftermarket that's right with, by you just know, building it into the game it's exactly what i thought it was like wow somebody's just gonna do this anyway like nude shadow heart anyway let's just have this in the game and control it but that which, frees up the nude modders to pr- apply their talents on other games that are not mm-hmm. allowing for this yes. amount of freedom if anything we are creating a pr- greater proliferation of nudity <laughs> fair fair uh, yeah, just 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 seeing how much is possible in this makes me think like when I when I roll a real character and actually play through it, like I, I, I'm Vinny. I'm, I'm guessing you feel a lot of this urge in games like this as well of like kind of wanting to see what they think is like the correct story. You know what I mean? Or like it's like okay, what is the what's the critical path through yeah, this the story canonical encounter? story? Yes, yeah. what is the canonical story here? Like try to resist that urge to do everything quote unquote the right way and just do whatever seems interesting in the moment. Because, like, there is no breaking the game, it sounds like here. Like, you know, maybe Dark Souls is not the best comparison, but, you know, you can kill Dark Souls NPCs, yeah. but it always feels like I'm breaking something. When well, I, if I do that, you know, it's like, oh, I'm probably locking out some story thing or that's something. That's right, yeah. My, like, it, 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 I get the sense here that, like, they, if not encourage you to do things like kill story characters, at least, like, make it not a wrong option to do so. Mm-hmm. I, um... My initial, my always my initial playthrough in something like this is I want to see as much as I can to not to not close those gates off. So I will play through with what I feel like gets me into the most content, um, and then uh, 
in a game like this, and this is Mass Effect as well, my second playthrough is my shit heel playthrough where, oh, I am I am going to do the one that just shuts this conversation. It's the Renegade playthrough, right? Where it's like, we're just shutting this conversation down. I've seen the most I can see. And now if I don't like this character, they're just going, I'm not going to suffer through a conversation or dialogue tree with them. And they're just going to die, which I, again, feels like the dark urge is kind of set up for that of no remorse, uh, hardcore lunatic on the, on the scene. So we'll see. I like, I'm still hitting stuff that's surprising me in the game, which is why I'm, I'm reluctant to even talk too much about spoilers because it's been fun to have reveals happen in the game and to not know if they are specific to my choices or not, or if it's, Oh, you get funneled into this path no matter what you pick. It so far feels kind of, you know, natural, which mm-hmm. is what I want from this game. And the combat is interesting and difficult and keeps me thinking even on balance. Um, I haven't found exceptional ways to cheese it. I am not level five yet. I am level four, about to pop into level five. And I feel like in fifth edition, level five is a real precipice point it's like a real milestone you got a lot of interesting abilities at level five so i'm curious to see where things go it's also made me had to uh, understand classes i've never played before in D D. because you get a lot of options um and a lot of uh, a little bit of metagaming with like, oh, how do you how do you do the most damage with this? How do you do how do you make this class the most efficient you can? Like, I've never really messed around with warlock classes, so I'm not exactly sure what archetype they fit into. Are they DPS? Are they are they um, tank classes? Are they support classes? I know a lot of them, and I've been playing with Will the the warlock class, and I'm really never quite sure where he fits into my party. Of like, what, what are you supposed to be doing, dude? You got like two spell slots here. Am I supposed to be hexing everyone? Your damage with your sword isn't that great, but you're not a great caster. Trying to figure out exactly how he fits into the group dynamic because I like the character a lot, so I want him with me. Um, But that stuff has been interesting where I know what the cleric is supposed to be doing. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I know what my rogue is supposed to be doing. Uh, It's, you know, that stuff is interesting. Like they don't, they don't specifically, I, at least Brad, maybe you saw it. I don't think they specifically call out like, Hey, yo, this is a tank class or like, yo, this is your DPS class. This is your support class. Yeah. Um, it's, it's much more based on just like what their abilities are. Yeah. Right. And what, and how that informs a play style. Right. So, um, so that part's interesting. Uh, and not all, not everything is neatly tucked into tank DPS and, and, uh, the, the thing, some things are multi-class. So we'll see, we're going to play on Friday. Uh, Alex and I are going to play, um, um, uh, uh, multiplayer, which has its own weird issues. I've been has its quirks. It seems digging like into. I, yeah, I, I, I saw there was there's like a toggle for private moments in the <laughs> options. Did you see that? I saw that uh, some people were talking about that. I I'm not sure how that private moments. <laughs> basically, basically there are scenes that only you can or should see. Yeah. You're basically opting into letting your co-op party see those scenes as well. But it I think that's wonder, cool. Like, like it really makes me wonder what the nature of those scenes is that the that you wouldn't want other players to see them. I mean, I guess if you're really thought. if you're really really role playing those right, if those characters are not there, then they shouldn't know what happened there. Right. Unless you're that, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like sex scenes are are the obvious and kind of boring answer to that. If it's just yeah. like oh, we just want to keep that those moments private, like that like that makes sense, but is not in terms of a branching story or like you said, like a role playing. Yeah. Um, but I you mean, know. It, 
if look, hey, if that's your kink, if you want your party there while you're, you know, swinging with, you know, whatever, whoever it is that you're swinging with, I th- that's an option too. It sounds like so. Yeah, I should dig into it more because it it, it, might, it might also be as kind of uh, mechanics wise as look, if you're playing with a party that you know people are sensitive or don't want to see nudity or see these things, then put this on and you will, because you know there is an option to toggle nudity on and off in the game. So if yeah. you if if that stuff is not going to be um, received well and you want to keep that to yourself, we'll just show you those scenes because you have it yeah. turned off or something. So it could yeah, be that, something that, like that. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. I, I didn't mean that those scenes in and of themselves are boring. What I meant yeah. was that's 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 the yeah. obvious the obvious answer is what I meant is like intimate scenes that you just wouldn't want other people to see. I, I meant mm-hmm. more. I meant more. Are there like story reasons, like you said, that you might like be trying to hide information from other? Could be that could be characters or like trying to you know backstab somebody or some kind of subterfuge or something. I would like never. That. Um, there is another option there, Brad. I don't know if you saw it's on by default for karmic dice, which um, they say they say, and I, I had read that this was kind of bugged in early access, but maybe it's fixed now. They say basically, while still trying to keep your dice rolls as random as possible, does a little bit to avoid consistent failures. Like if you're like failing, failing, you know, if it's random, you could fail infinitely right like in in a row and i think it tries to nudge you out of that uh, out of that a bit and it's on by default and i kept it on because i feel like it is probably the closest thing in the game to having a dm try to make sure you're having a good time in the game uh so i hope it's fixed and i hope it's working properly because some people said it actually was doing some of the opposite in early access and wasn't working as intended the other multiplayer thing that i think is a little weird is what I have heard, and from looking stuff up, people aren't even sure if it's a bug or uh, intended. You start a multiplayer save and you bring someone into your party. They create a new character. uh, They come into your party. That character is always in your party, no matter what. So if you go to play single player, they're just dead in your party uh, or or not there in your party. um, So you cannot get rid of them in your party. Huh. That seems a little clunky. Yeah. So that's, I could be getting, I didn't try it obviously, but this is what I was looking up for Friday's thing of like, if you're going to have a multiplayer save, it sounds like maybe that is a multiplayer save. Do not look at that as a single player slash multiplayer save with maybe the same person or people (laughs) that you are committed to having this with. Uh, I don't know if that changes later on or if, if you can bring people in and out, but, um, that's, that's what I looked up, um, and seems to be a thing. So, uh, you know, when Abby and Alex and I play, it seems like that save is now locked into them joining in Mm -hmm. in that party. Um, which I guess the opposite of that would be like, I don't know, put all your friends in your camp, man, have a cool camp with all your player friends in there hanging out and go, go check in on them once in a while. But then maybe that's not the case. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. going to keep moving forward with it and then probably going to do a second playthrough as that dark urge character, um, to check it out. The multiplayer stuff, uh, we'll check more on Friday. We did some in early access. It seems like it has interesting mechanics for multiplayer on voting for dialogue. It seems like it has Twitch integration, which I'll probably turn on for the Friday stream just to test it out where, um, I, I forget exactly what happens in it, but I think people Twitch can see dice rolls or maybe have some effect or voting. Um, oh yeah. I, I saw some on Twitter, some stuff going around about that. You can like click on all the party members of the person who's streaming and like pull up character sheets and click. That seems them cool. Like, you can, you can get a ton of info that's not actually on the stream about their characters and stuff. Yeah. So that seems that's cool. Awesome. 
Uh, I've got my paladin ready to go for that. Uh, my my golden uh, dragonborn paladin who just sounds like a real piece of shit. Mm. Like <laughs> trying to think of if I were going to be a real devout paladin, golden dragonborn sounds like somebody who thinks that their shit don't stink. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that is yeah. that is a real <laughs> dick bag to have to hang out with. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, look, I like role playing for some of this stuff. It's a role no, no, game. no. That's what it's for. I'm just saying it's like you know if that's the role you want to play. Uh huh. You found the right character for it. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, we'll we'll check that out on Friday. Um. Glad you're enjoying it too, Brad. Like I my my fear when I jumped into it was I'm really enjoying this. It seems like they do some onboarding and then kind of throw you into the deep end with abilities without explaining exactly how the economy of bonus and, and action and, and all these things are going to work out and spell slots. And I mean, they do some of it, but it's pretty quick. And by the time you look up again, you've got like bars full of actions, right? Um, yeah, I could, I could see that, but like, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of trouble with divinity. So hopefully, okay. hopefully this is similar. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly intriguing just like looking at how it's put together and all the ways it can vary. I'm yeah, I'm excited to, continue poking at it and see how it responds i say um, one of the, the most positive things i've heard are people who got into have been into act two say it picks up like and i've enjoyed act one so far so yeah it's not it's not exactly like a slow start no i mean i'm um, sick of doing the ship stuff uh i kind of almost wish they just i mean i know you make some choices on the ship so it'd be pretty hard but i kind of almost wish you could be like skip skip ship uh but uh like you can get through it very quickly uh also yeah. i think they changed it and shortened it from the early access because i remember a whole spot do you remember this spread on like you go on the upper decks with yes. dave and like yes. there's like and you didn't have that either right? no i did not i was actually shocked how short the ship section was okay. compared to what you guys played a few weeks ago yeah there's like only one real combat encounter and then the second combat encounter it, you can kind of run past if you need to or not but like that's about it um you just fight those imps and then you're, you're kind of on your way. So yeah, it seems like they shortened that up even. So, which is, yeah. which is good because that ship stuff, <laughs> I've seen that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like a fascinating game. I'm excited to get more into it. Also, I'm not a big tabletop player, but it's nice to remember all those forgotten realms books I read when I was sure. 14, you know, like I've got that background at least. So there's like something cool there as well. Will they reference Dritzt? I don't right, know. Right, I, right. I have just entered the Underdark, so... Um, oh. Yes, so... Uh, is, is Elminster going to show up at some I, point? You know... Is he, is he still alive? I don't know. I'm not exactly sure where this t- timeline takes place. Uh, if it's later... I think it's pretty late, because I think it's after the Avernus stuff, so... Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yes, it is all in Forgotten Realms, for better or worse. I'm playing an Eberron campaign, and Eberron seems like a interesting world as well uh but forgotten realms Faerun, uh have at it Baldur's gate 3 out now about a month off on the playstation 5 uh xbox tbd on that one we brad you mentioned this like a week or two ago about them having the technical issues for split screens co-op on the s and since they need to have feature parity across the xbox platforms they are trying to solve that problem mm-hmm. which is kind of a bummer yeah uh, sounds, sounds like sounds like xbox might be a ways off yeah um yes so i mean split screen co-op sounds kind of like a neat thing there is no split screen co-op on the pc as far as i can tell 
Um, there's only, um, you can do LAN if you have stuff on your local network, but I don't think, uh, stuff on the same system. So I'm looking forward to that too. Cause I would like to play, uh, with my kids on a save. All right. That's Baldur's Gate three. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a few more video games. We'll have a little short, short interlude with some more stuff. So not just Baldur's Gate three. So stick around. We'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions. And at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. And we are back and moving on from fantasy realms to fantasy bookings. Is that you know? Work? Can we do? Can we? Can I? Can I'll allow it. Okay, good. I'm allowing it. Okay, great. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely another type of fantasy world. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Alex, we're talking about WrestleQuest. We sure are. The game that was uh, supposed to already be out, but uh, for due to uh, let's just say unforeseen for circumstances, uh, is not. Hmm. Apparently there was a save bug uh, that uh, they found very, like, <laughs> literally up to the wire uh, in terms of, like, when when you could have possibly discovered this. So they had wrestlers that are in this game out there doing promotions for the game literally the day before, the, or the day they announced the delay, which was the day before the release. That's a bummer. I'm, Wait, uh, it was the day before the release that they yes. announced the delay? Jeez. Yes, it was literally the, like Jeff Jarrett was on fucking Kinda Funny talking about, game's out tomorrow, and then uh, it sure isn't. Eh, good on them for not putting it out there in a way that could be very crappy for people who run into that bug. Oh, absolutely. And let me tell you right now, I, it's not that I don't think there is justification in doing it. There absolutely is. It's just kind of a wild thing to have to do that close and that up to the wire. Especially considering this game, despite its best intentions and some aspects that I like, is definitely a little bit janky in a way that I don't love. Can you can you give me the top level on WrestleQuest again? I think we might have talked about it 
previously, but... Um, the top level is very top-heavy, so I'm just going to give okay. you a, a warning of that right now. So this is a game, it is an RPG in the style of, I'm going to say, the classics of the 16-bit era, um, especially the slightly goofier, more reverent ones. Um, it is a turn-based game, it is, uh, you know, pixel art graphics. So that's the base, and uh, then from there, this, the premise they are going with is... It's not just that it is a wrestling world and that you are doing your quest in a wrestling world. It's that you are playing as action figures in a toy box, toy story style world that in which there is a presumably the person who owns all these toys just has a real predilection for uh, wrestling. Okay. Dan Riker's toy box. Kind of. Yes. Okay. Um, you are playing uh, as as a couple of different characters here, one of which is a Macho Man Randy Savage stand-in. The other one is sort of a Bret Hart, uh, Hart family stand-in. Okay. Um, and there are a bunch of characters in here that are definitely just straight-up parodies of, of characters and gimmicks that you already know. But there are also appearances in here by actual licensed wrestlers. Uh, weirdly enough, Randy Savage is one of them. And he's dead, so they got a voice sound alike, but then they got other wrestlers who are not dead. Okay. Uh, like Jake the Snake Roberts and Jeff Jarrett. Uh, I saw the Nasty Boys are in there somewhere, Legion of Doom. And they do their voice samples, though I will say uh, a lot of their voice work sounds like placeholder. Uh, it is that <laughs> sort of like, I'm yelling out a bark thing. It is not like they have like full dialogue, you know? Mm. That's the only mode they know how to operate in. <laughs> Distinctly possible. Um and so you are kind of wandering around this world. Uh, you are trying to, you know, gain fame and acclaim. Uh, and it is, you know, like there's, there's different zones that you go into that all kind of have their own, like, discrete, not necessarily puzzles, but like navigation elements. You know, there are random battles uh, against various uh, f fighters on the field. Are and they like get no namers? Like, uh,. Just I mean, like, yeah, it's just like it's just like RPG enemies. Like okay. it's not it's not necessarily. I mean, there probably are big matches against certain wrestlers. I haven't really gotten any of those yet. Um, but what I have found is that um, so the combat is all turn based, as I sort of alluded to. It is. Um, how do I describe this? Like you can have a team of multiple wrestlers. Sometimes you're fighting by yourself. You usually get a handful of goons that you're fighting against. You have four different things you can do in a battle you can just strike a dude uh you can taunt which gives you like some some bonuses but also maybe gives you some like hey you have reduced defense for this next turn okay um you can use items and then there are the gimmicks which are your special abilities um you start out with a couple you earn more as you level up uh there are certain ones that and there's like class styles that you can apply to your character mine's a powerhouse so he gets extra hype, which is sort of one of the big, like, kind of building meters in the game by defeating enemies but not pinning them. So you can you can just take an enemy's health down and knock them down. Or if it's a particular enemy type or a certain match type, you can pin them. Uh, and then there's a little mini game that props up that's just sort of like you have to hit the green bar as it's moving around and then you get the one, two, three. Okay. Um, all the attacks are to some degree quick time events. Occasionally, they are just like regular, like you just hit the attack and it just goes. But like, if there is a any kind of like rebound attack or anything like that, you have to do some kind of quick time around that. 
it's very heavy on that stuff. That's like the, the Mario RPG, Mario and Luigi standard. Definitely. Like that, uh, that's, that's cool. Like that made those games more fun to grind through the random battles when you actually had timing elements to keep up with. Totally. And I, there's aspects of this that I think are kind of fun. The problem I'm running into in, let's say, you know, the first, let's say, five hours of this game is that I'm finding a lot of it very repetitive, um, mm. you know, and some of that is just kind of part and parcel with the whole like you are playing this style of RPG. It's not like those didn't have repetitive random battles and things like that, but I just haven't found the combat to be that compelling. Um, it just kind of feels like it's a little one note. And while there's a lot of personality in the graphics, I don't think the story is that interesting or really that worth that, that worth investing in, at least from what I've played so far. Do Does your character know they are a toy? Do all the characters know they're toys? It feels self-aware, though, like what degree of self... Like, do they know they are in a toy box? I don't know. <laughs> they just sort of refer to themselves... You know, as it kind of as toys, matter of factly, you can also interchange okay. parts at times. <laughs> like I put okay. on a different hand or, or like or I grabbed an item that was like a hammer hand at some point. That seems all right. Yeah. So like it's kind of playing around with that stuff, but I, I just don't think it's really that good. It's not terrible, but it's just kind of like a lot of my time with it has just been kind of like, eh, all right. Yeah, this is this is fun enough, but it's not really grabbing me. Okay. Despite the fact that it is several things that are very much in my wheelhouse, it's just something about this combination is not quite doing it for me. Uh, Do you know what the price is going to be since it got delayed? I, none of the storefronts have a price up at the moment. I think I remember seeing it was like 20, 25 bucks. I'll double check. Uh, but I don't think it's it's like super expensive or anything. What does it? What does it say to you about the state of? licensing wrestling famous wrestling figures that like i mean you know there's nothing against this game but it's a smaller scale game you know it looks like it's an indie game yeah like i would have i would have thought i mean andre the giant sergeant slaughter mm -hmm. uh, randy savage obviously like i would have thought those would be pretty expensive names to get but like does <laughs> does that kind of wrestling notoriety not command the respect that it once did well, so it's interesting because, okay, so there's a weird dynamic of this that I don't fully understand, which is to say that wrestling and uh, wrestler, like a lot of these wrestlers in particular, have legends contracts with WWE. Oh. And what that means is that they basically have an ongoing licensing agreement with them where they can use them in things like video games and promotional materials, and they get, like, a, I'm pretty sure, a regular payment based on that stuff. I see. Okay. I don't know what level of exclusivity that stuff comes with, but I assume, I guess not much, because the, obviously there are a lot of wrestlers that have those contracts that are, in fact, uh, in this game. But in terms of like what their actual rates for appearance are or for likeness rights or anything like that, I don't know. There are a couple of these gimmicks that I thought WWE actually owned the names for, but maybe they're able to use that stuff at like conventions and whatnot. So I'm not sure. Like the moves? Well, not the moves, but like they're they're like the names, like oh, literally oh, like oh, like oh, Legion okay. of Doom or th stuff like I that. See. I don't the know characters. what. Maybe as part of the Legends contracts, they're allowed to use that stuff outside of WWE. I don't know, but mm. um. I would assume they probably, it looks like they spent a little bit money on these li licenses. They did not spend a lot of time getting them in the booth to do voice work, though. I will say that. How is the sound alike for Macho Man? Fine. Because there's a lot, there are a lot of Macho Men, m Macho Men. Yes. 
it's just I don't know, like it's just a little weird hearing a fake Macho Man when he's dead. I mean, sure. they're you know one of the Legion of Doom members. I think maybe both of them are dead. One of them is definitely dead. Um, you know, there's only so much you can do with with people who have passed on. It's just mm-hmm. like I don't know. There's something like I understand you're paying a tribute. You want to celebrate these characters that you loved. Something a little weird about it to me, but I, you know, I I think they have pretty good intentions here by and large. But again, they are also making a very childish, very kind of like whimsical story about a hive of scum and villainy, which is wrestling. You know, this is not a fun, frivolous place full of people who are happy and doing well. I'm about halfway through that Vince McMahon podcast series at this point, and the more information I consume about wrestling, the darker it all gets. Yeah. To the point that I'm almost, I'm almost at the point now where I'm, where I'm like, should this be celebrated? I mean, like, I, I'm not going to quite should go be that banned, far. No, but yes, yeah, should it be celebrated. Absolutely not. Like, I mean, one of the running themes of all of this is that like wrestlers don't live to old age very often. There, so that has changed a little bit. I mean, not with these guys that they are featuring in this game, but like the current generation, by and large, is doing a lot better health wise and taking care of themselves wise. Okay, that's not good. not every single one, obviously, but like the number of people you are seeing, you know, get felled by drug habits mm-hmm. and you know, like serious addiction problems and other things, it's lower than it used to be. Yeah, at the same time, though, I'm getting the sense that the current WWE like pay. And benefits are embarrassing, abysmal, inadequate healthcare and, and stuff like that. They still they still give the biggest contracts of any any uh, wrestling league out there. Like AEW is pretty good, but my understanding is they do not give out like the big gigantic contracts very often. Um, but you know, like and and all wrestlers in the U.S. are independent contractors. Like there really aren't like staffs and you know like permanent employee status for wrestlers in the U.S. And so, you know, you end up in a situation where, yeah, like a lot of these people, even if they are being paid a fair amount of money, they're also being forced to, you know, pay for their own health care and deal with a lot of other things that they wouldn't if they were full time employees. Right. Not that any of this has to do with WrestleQuest, but I mean, it is kind of the state of the business. Uh, I I looked up the developer. They did that Renfield game, that recent. Uh, they did uh, uh, Renfield, bring your own blood, which was kind of a uh, vampire survivors like, right? Yes, a game I liked less the more I played of it, but mm. that I thought was okay out of the gate. Well, best of luck to them on on squashing that bug. They delayed it a couple of weeks here. I yeah, think. it's now August twenty second, and I double checked to make sure they didn't change the embargo so I could talk about this here. And as far as I can tell, they haven't. So okay, I don't think I'm breaking any laws here. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Hope best of luck to them, and I hope they get their game out because that's a that's a rough one to get in the eleventh hour. You know? Oh, totally. Like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. honestly can't even imagine. Oh, I wonder if it has to resubmit to certification. That's why, like the like long, the, long the, delay, like the exact two week delay. Uh, that may I may be totally off base, but I wonder if that has something to do with it being an extra two weeks that a bug that severe you got to go back through. I wonder cer- certification I, again. I wonder it, if they I'm, were able to squash it quickly if they would have just hot fixed it, you know, after release. But uh, maybe maybe it's something they just want to make sure, or maybe it's harder. I have no idea. Yeah, they did put much. out one patch while I've been, um, you know, while I've been playing along with this review build. Uh, it didn't necessarily fix all the stuff that I've been running into. There's just some stuff in this game, like it, it crashed. Like I get a, an error crash message every time I close the app, which mm-hmm. is weird. Um, 
There's also some stuff around, like, saving that I think is not great. Like, I ended up in one situation where, you know, I was going through an environment that had, like, a, a, uh, uh, like a, like a, a trap in it. And as, right as I was getting away from the trap, I ended up in a random battle. And then when I popped out of there, I, I moved out of the app for a second and I realized I'd been standing in that trap the whole time and I just died. And then I lost a bunch of progress, just not, you know, because I didn't realize I was just standing there. Um, and it's just kind of like, it's just little stuff. Like I wish it auto saved a little more. I wish it was a little more diligent about that stuff. Well, maybe though, maybe then while they're in there, they'll, yeah. uh, they'll clean some other stuff up. Come in a little hot. You said in, mm-hmm. in before release your yeah. pre-release, um, that's wrestle quest August 22nd. Now kind of on everything, at least it's everything's listed here. So, um, again, this also has a Netflix logo on the official page. I don't know in what capacity that integrates with any Netflix stuff because it right. kind of doesn't say on their official page, or at least not that I saw. I assume that's probably mobile related more than anything else. Right. Yeah. Uh, next up, let's talk a little more, um, uh, remnant Brad, you've dug in a little more on the single player side of remnant. I, I, I continue to be impressed as hell with remnant too, and also have been failing to resist playing more of it on my own. Outside of our streams. You're bringing stuff in, uh, helping the group. Hey, I got, I got a cool new weapon mod this morning that I'm excited to show you. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's, it's nice the way the campaign progress works because I'm not even necessarily seeing the same stuff. Well, first of all, I'm behind where we are in my story and my campaign where we are in Alex's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm not even as far as, as us in, in our stream playthrough. Um, but also I'm seeing different stuff because of the way that game works. I mean, we've talked about it before, right? Like the, I think, I think it's two versions of everything is, is the Intel that we got. Okay. That like every, every given area, you might get one of any two bosses, like each, each boss, like slot could be one, one boss or the other. And you just will not see that other one on that playthrough. So we unlocked that adventure mode on Monday or was it? Yes. Monday. Um, and looking at that, I was looking at that in my game. It seems like you finish an area and then it unlocks adventure mode for that area. And then you can essentially roll a whole separate campaign for just that area. And the description on it is straight up like, like, Hey, you need to fight a specific boss or do a specific quest, like start an adventure mode here. And I don't know if it lets you pick. I should have, I should have started one. I was worried it would like mess with my campaign progress, but the wording almost made it sound like you could pick which version of the boss to fight on a, on an adventure run. Like if you want to farm a material. Yeah. Cause, material. cause yeah, like you're, you're missing out on specific items and abilities by only getting one or the other. Did, um, um, well, the other nice thing too, and I almost, I almost felt the urge, not necessarily from the combat side of things, but just more the narrative side. Like there is a story in this game that I'm not really absorbing when we're playing multiplayer, because that's not the best way for me to absorb as you guys would probably agree. Yes. Any narrative content, what are you um, talking about? The text is right there on the screen. <laughs> it's right there on the screen. Hey, you guys mind if I sit here while I go through every dialogue option with this NPC for about 15 minutes? Yes. I do. Also don't, also, don't say anything while I'm reading, yes, please. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Just absolute silence. So I almost wanted to just run back in and be like, I want to talk to everyone. I kind of want to see. I want to read these books that are, we're coming across that have pages and pages of ne- descriptive text in them. So I, I, yeah. but I, I have not started yet, but... I did want to ask you, how was your boss that you fought? I took about half an hour, probably took okay. eight, ten tries or something. It was not easy. But, but different. 
you very a very different boss, a, an extremely different boss. So we had um, what was it, like evil empathy or something. Empathy. Yeah. Empathy was that first boss. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, you know, I forgot to look at what the name Spite of this boss was. or something. That was the second one. Yeah. Um, this was maybe not your favorite type of boss because it spawned a lot of ads constantly around. Well, actually, the other one did too. Maybe they all do that now <laughs> that I think about it. Was it a different um, arena? Totally different. Like even the even the sequence leading up to it was completely different than what we saw before. Okay. Um, like we did we did that puzzle dungeon right the first time. Yeah. The, the dial and the shrouds the sigils, and all that stuff. Yeah. So where I went after that uh, that side dungeon, like it was a totally it was underground. It had different looking stuff in it. Okay, so where, a different where, worlds. We were in more of a forest part of of Alex's campaign. Yeah. So like the it was I was seeing new scenery. I mean, somewhat new scenery. It was still the same like aesthetic, but but different elements than I had seen before. Some like crazy underground, big crystal formations and cool stuff like that. And then the boss was a complete, totally different arena, totally different boss, totally like the design completely different. You- um, and then the weapon mod I got is kind of made from the boss. Mm. Like, I can't remember. Oh, you know, the one we got on Monday is the same thing, right? Cause that boss attacked with tentacles coming out of yes, the water. Yep. And then the mod we got made tentacles come out of the ground. So yep. it's another, it's another thing like that. It's kind of the, it's almost the monster hunter satisfaction of I killed a, a hard thing and now I've taken a piece of it and sure. fashioned it into something for me to use. A little Mega Man ish. Yes. Like uh we the one we got from Empathy who would go up and smash those platforms is the one we got the Thunder Wave one. Oh, that's too. That, yeah. Right. That's yes. Um So what is it? Oh, it's uh so this boss it's complicated. This boss had a big, like, evil eye-looking thing hovering okay. over it, and that was its only weak point, except that most of, like, 90% of the time, it took, like, no damage, like, 10, 10 damage per shot or whatever. Okay. But it would go into a vulnerable state where it was also spawning enemies all over the place, shooting these projectiles at you that cause madness, which I have not seen yet. What does that do? It's uh, It makes your vision go all in nuts. You all can't right. see anything. It, it turns the UI off, so you can't oh, see no. your health or anything. Okay. So you have to like dodge those slow moving madness projectiles, but then it would also spawn a big energy wave at the same time. All while you're supposed to hit the vulnerable part. While you're trying to hit it while it's vulnerable and also deal with the enemies that's spawning around you. It was a lot to keep up with. Okay. Anyway, the, um, the ability is that floating eye thing that would fly around the arena that I had to shoot. What does it do? It's like, it's like literally an evil eye that like drops. I think it drops stacks of madness on enemies. Oh, so well, I'm really curious to see what that does. Yeah, like I wonder what the AI does when it is maddened. Yeah, I'm not sure. But madness is a is a thing you rack up like like um like the like rot like yeah, the root rot right. or bleed. You know, that's the Dark Souls thing of like mm. like oh you better not fill up this meter or you're gonna get the effect and that's really going to suck. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I so yeah. man, that game is it's, that game it's, is really neat. Yeah, I am super into it. It's I I like it more than the first one. I do, I, I do as well. I think it's there's something also about the. Uh, I think I mentioned this last time we talked about it, but there's something more about the role, uh, and I mean that not role playing, but the role you play in the game feeling very um, integral. You know, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, hey, you are clearly a damage dealer. Like, get in there. Like, I know what my job is in a fight. Right? It's like try and do some damage, but uh, you know, keep you guys alive. And even even that weird mod on the gun has where you shoot health has become kind of fun in a way because I have to lead you guys. <laughs> like, you're gonna run into this puddle of health. Hopefully, it's yeah, it's neat. Like the the, the weapon mods actually are hugely game changing. Like on that boss, I had to change my set of mods like three times trying different strategies. You know, it's like oh, maybe I'll drop the tentacles to try to get some health back from these ads, or 
maybe I'll use fire here to try to put some damage over time on this thing. Did you wind up like, uh, so you brought your stuff that you had from our playthrough in. So you had that like five talisman, um, ring, right? The yes. Amulet? Yeah. So, so they, they, I saw some tooltip text. They, they seem to want to go out of their way to reassure you that you will never lose any character progress for any reason. Because, <laughs> cool. Because you can start that adventure mode in an area you've completed. Like I said, you can also reroll your campaign, which totally resets you to the beginning of the game. Like you have to go through everything again, but you yeah. might get, because you know, the different areas you play through, the order is randomized. So you might even start with a, a different area in a rerolled campaign. But in all those like tool, tool tips, as you click those things, it, it always says like character progress will never be reset. I assume so, it's scaling to your yeah your level or within your yeah, level. Yeah, it's like hashing that kind of like destiny style power level on your character that I think it's then okay tuning the world against. I wonder if it's dynamically doing that or or what because if you spawn if you roll your world go off and do a bunch of stuff in somebody else's game and come back, I assume it would readjust the character levels to now match your new level and not just lock it in. Yeah, that's my assumption, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not Could sure. You, I mean, it's not it's not really a loot game, but you do get. I mean, it's not a loot game. You kind of get fixed loot, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it. I, I'm really just liking it in terms of the, especially on the multiplayer side. The dynamic with the team seems yeah seems a lot of fun with three people. Especially, I mean, you guys haven't gotten your second class, have you yet? Uh, no. Oh, I wait, did, no, I, I did get mine. Yeah, I took it when okay. you got it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we all did. Yeah, I guess we've only all got access to Hunter right now as the second class, but like, seems like eventually you'll just be able to mix and match any two classes in the game, which is also a kind of a an amazing way to find abilities that synergize together. Yeah, and then, you know, having one wanting to double down on one or multi-class into two with your XP, it's an interesting diversionary build tactic, you know? I don't mean diversion in... <laughs> it's a diversion in a hey you went left i went right and now we have different characters uh cool remnant yeah. two yeah it's it's pretty rad i'm i'm super impressed with it uh remnant two out there oh, now. Dude, the last last thing i just wanted to mention yeah. shout out to the heavy enemy that throws his weak point at you the oh, guy, the who hard guy. The, the hard yeah, like that was yeah. the other thing i just meant to i just i have to give them credit there are some interesting ideas in that game that i have not seen before like that like one of the one of the heavy enemies <laughs> He throws, he basically throws a grenade at you, like a sticky grenade. Yeah. It took us forever to figure out why he was not taking any damage. Yes. As we shot him, as we were trying to avoid this grenade he keeps throwing at you, turns out it's his heart <laughs> and it both explodes and kills you, but also is the weak point. It's very clever. So it's like, it's like a super interesting loop of, you don't know where the weak point's going to end up and you have to try to put some damage on it before it explodes over and over. Remnant two, you're not gonna you're gonna be remnant two uh, out of it for a little bit. Yes, huh? a couple weeks. We will have to take a pause on that, mm. unfortunately. Um, I want to touch on uh, a game real quick here. We we showed it last week. We haven't talked about it on the podcast. Uh, the Expanse, the Telltale series game. Um, I I've played not a ton of it. Uh, actually, probably for one of these games, it's hard to tell how long they are. So I'm not sure how much I've played. But I've actually really liked it so far. It's it's very much the next generation of the Telltale games. It's you could see it there. Uh, it's more solid. It seems a little more put put together than the later Telltale games, where it felt like it was stretching what that engine could do. And mm-hmm. this feels like they have addressed and modernized those those issues. And 
I'm not a huge um, The Expanse person. I know there's a very popular series. But it seems to be telling a pretty interesting story so far, the setup. Like, um, you guys saw when we went through it, the kind of go on this ship and suddenly everything was not good on this ship. And, you you know, it's a good storytelling technique of what happened here. Why is this? What is going on here? So uh, I'm probably going to continue with that if I can peel myself away from Boulder's Gate long enough to continue with it. But The Expanse, a telltale series, the episode, first episode is out. They have a cadence for epi- their next stuff. So I very much could be halfway through that episode for all I know. Um, I, feel but, like, I feel like I saw somebody in our Twitch chat saying that they made all the whole game up front this time. Oh, really? And, okay. And, and I, I could be wrong. I thought I, that was my understanding that they'll have a more predictable release cadence because that, that reminded me of like, mm. was it the first season of Walking Dead? Yeah, where or like some good. of their episodic games, like the time, the stretches between episode releases got kind of lengthy and unpredictable at some point. Oh gosh, I want to say what was the Wolf one? Uh, Wolf like, Among Us. I think I want to say Wolf Among Us maybe had one of the ones that like had a long time between. If episodes. I remember correctly, they never made a second season of that. No, they just dropped it. Well, no, it's that they're now making that now. Oh, wait, is that coming back? I believe, if I remember correctly, Wolf Among Us 2 is one of the things they said they were bringing back, they were spinning back up okay. when this new version of uh, the studio came around. Um, I'm just going to read from their uh, fact here for a second, not about Wolf uh, Among Us, but about this uh, the Expanse. They say, our new games are episodic, but there's one huge difference. We've changed how we're developing games on the back end so we can release seasons much quicker than in the past. We can guarantee that the remaining episodes will launch every two weeks after episode one. Oh, wow. That's um, cool. Yeah. So I don't know if that means if they do have the things ready to go, but they, they say yeah, guarantee they here. Yeah. In fact, you, you said only episode one is, is out still as of right uh, now, right? I, you know, I haven't checked back since last um, week. It came out July 27th, so we probably should be about the next episode i can so go see. so so ign has a review of episodes one through three up now okay so so they definitely have have the content ready to go already that's that's cool that's smart uh, every, got, every two weeks every two weeks feels like a good like a good cadence for something like this episode two hunting grounds is supposed to be according to the epic game store available august 10th so as of time of this recording that's the end of this week or tomorrow actually so uh, and then the 24th, the September 7th and September 21st. So yeah, let's see. I mean, see how they do. Um, again, I would like to play that game, but I got boulders gated. Yes. Knew it was, was going to happen. Knew it was gonna, same thing happened. I'll just say quickly here with Pikmin. Um, I've been dabbling a little bit more in Pikmin, but not a lot. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm kind of in mop up land on Pikmin. We talked about it when, uh, Jordan minor was here. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of saw, um, the initial credits, but that sounds like it's halfway through the game. You saw credits. You can walk away with your head <laughs> held high. You can yeah. just just tell yourself, "I finished it. I saw credits. I'm good." <laughs> right, it counts. Mission complete. Uh, but it sounds like you know. It, to me, it seems like, hey, you saw the game loop. Are you ready to just keep doing that? You could stop if you want. Well, like we'll allow it. We'll allow it. Uh, but that is picking for a game I also am enjoying and think is pretty pretty neat. Um. Anything else you guys want to talk about game wise before we jump into some of the news here? We're gonna Alex, we're gonna you saw some Evo stuff, but I think we're gonna get to that when we mm-hmm. hit the news. Um so we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back, we're gonna talk some news. Stick around. 
This week's show is brought to you by Factor. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. Do you guys know what Factor is? <laughs> I do. I thought you were about to ask if I knew what food is. Do you also know what food is? I've heard of it. It sounds and cool. Do you know what food can be? Factor's here. Factor is here to tell you what food is and can be. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. We've gotten some Factor before. I've actually mm -hmm. found it to be quite tasty and delicious and convenient. Um, mm -hmm. You can put it in the toaster oven, put it in the microwave. I did the toaster oven. It was ready. I think in the toaster oven was ready between like 10, 15 minutes. Pretty quick. You can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. You can level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Ooh, you can treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Not that regular butter. Truffle butter. Round out your meals and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, ooh, potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Oh man, oh, Factor, man. what are you, what are you doing to me, Factor? With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash nextlander50 and use code nextlander50 to get 50% off. That's code nextlander50 at factormeals.com slash nextlander50 to get 50% off potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Thanks, Factor. All right, we are back. <laughs> we are we are back. I don't have a segue to this one. This you just is... woke my ass up, man. <laughs> we are back, and Red Dead Redemption is getting a release. Ooh, uh, finally. Com finally coming to the PS4, Brad Shoemaker. Finally getting a re-release. It was. Red Dead Redemption. What is going on? One of the best games of the generation. At, uh, which which generation? Uh, the one it came out in. It's it's the 360 PS3. Okay, great. I would say. Um, I mean, I don't know if you. I don't know if you have been aware. People have been clamoring for this game to come out again for a very long time, especially on PC. Yes, people have wanted a PC release of this basically since it came out <laughs> in 2010. Uh -huh. Um. And then there's also been persistent rumors slash wish casting sure. about a remake, like a full remaster type thing. I'm sure people um, would love a bundle with uh, uh, Red Dead and Red Dead 2 on the PS5 would be amazing, or Xbox Series X. I mean, when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out and they had modeled all of the terrain, like all of the land from the first game in the yeah. second game that got people talking pretty much immediately like what are, what are they what are their plans here what are their intentions mm -hmm. it turns out their intentions were to try to make a lot of money with red dead online <laughs> and yeah. give you a lot of space mm -hmm. uh to roam around in uh, yeah but anyway that 
yeah, the idea of remaking the first game in the second game's engine and assets, obviously not happening. This is just a re-release on the Switch and PS4 soon, uh, the 17th of August, just kind of came out of nowhere this week. Still no PC version. Um, Still no PC version. Also, notably, no Xbox re-release here, which my first reaction was, well, it's one of those, like, nicely enhanced games already with the backwards compatibility. Like, you can, it runs, I think it runs at, like, 4K and a locked 30 on on a current Xbox already if you just buy the original Mm -hmm. version. Yeah. So maybe... Maybe they didn't felt they didn't need to do that, or the may the way less flattering for Microsoft take is maybe the install base is not there mm. for Rockstar to feel it was worth a port. I don't know, but worth a port to the PS4 and Switch. Which yeah. I mean, look, the Switch which, and those are both consoles that have fairly sizable install bases. Uh-huh. They are not the latest greatest. No, no. But if it's just a port, um, you know. A PS4 game will run just fine on a PS5 if if they weren't planning to do the work anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe the Switch version will run on a new piece of Nintendo hardware in the next year or so. Who can Look say? Who can you. say? Look at you. Um, actually, this is kind of tangential to this, but Strauss Zelnick, the CEO of Take Two, was out there on I don't know some interview or something, earning something something. <laughs> All but saying, hey, Nintendo should make the next Switch backwards compatible. <laughs> like, like, even good. A, a, like, everybody agrees. Strauss and I don't agree on a yes, lot of things. Yeah. We do agree on this. Yes, he said He said the very un-CEO-like thing of basically, like, I mean, he flat out said kind of what I said last week about, like, yeah, you might make more money in the short term reselling your old games. Like, at what cost, basically, is mm-hmm. what he was saying. <laughs> basically, it was just like, you know, like, I'd, like... And like how much damage to your relationship with your consumers are you going to do every right. time you every time like if you have the technical capability and you don't do it for business reasons and people get mad because they're having to buy the same games again like that's not good long term no anyway um red dead redemption coming out again finally sure uh, um, that, ps4 that, yes ps4 and, and switch, switch. I, I i am curious I, I doubt there will be that much notable there in terms of like how it runs since they're not doing anything to it, it's pretty much just a question of does it run well? Yes. Okay. Great. No 4K 60. No. no, no and no online, according to this article on Kotaku. Um, yes. So you do get Undead Nightmare, which uh-huh. yes, you should do that. Yes, Undead uh, Nightmare is incredible. Yeah. So I don't know. This doesn't make me too excited, but no, it's. I mean, it's it's a good. It's good. Is is I guess my take is like yes, this this needed to happen. It's good that this is happening. It took a very long time. We are a generation basically past the PS4, so it's it's kind of weird. But you know, no hint at anything on PS5 or Xbox Series X or S, which I think I think is really what where the red meat would be right of like mm-hmm. oh my gosh you're putting these out on modern consoles or pc like you said alex mm-hmm. um red dead if you didn't catch it's it 10 dead. years ago it's a great game it's a fantastic yes. game F- fantastic some of rockstar's best work what do you what, brad what do you say red dead 2 or red dead uh, different games gosh oh they're similar enough okay so, i think i'd have to two's got some fat on it that is unfortunate okay like the the whole the whole trip to the what, what I forget which island do they end up on? The oh yeah, that whole stuff. section is a mess. That, that whole sequence on that island feels so completely unnecessary. Um, 
but a better game overall, I think. Okay. No, definitely. Absolutely. Red Dead 2. Yes. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Uh, I never finished, one, that, never finished that game. Oh, man. I know. I know. It's a weird It's a weird game because it seems like it should be over, and then it goes and goes and goes. I mean, Red Dead, I don't know. Well, people are getting into Red Dead 1. I don't want to have any 10-year-old spoilers, but that game also had an interesting at the time uh, epilogue. Yeah, so they took that concept and, like, I mean, did you get to... I heard a lot about it because we talked a lot about it in the game of the year stuff. So yeah. I very much heard yeah. about the, the epilogue. Yeah. Epilogue in two is almost as long as some games. <laughs> uh, um, weird. Let's move on to square. The square Enix dilemma. Sorry. I'm sorry. Real quick. Did we yeah. say 50 bucks? We did oh, I don't that. know if we said the price. Yeah. No, 50 right. bucks. We should, okay. we should mention. So not, not exactly discounted really. No. Uh, no, that's right in line with $60 PS4 ish pricing. Yeah, Maybe not yeah, $70 PS5 Xbox. A little bit pressure. cheaper than yeah. when it came out, but not really. Uh, Brad, what is going on with poor old Square Enix? Will somebody yeah. think of Square Enix? I try not uh, to. Another another year, another Square Enix game that did not meet Square Enix's sales expectations. I, I mean, that that's, that's a bit overblown here. <laughs> um,. But they did say in an earnings report that I, I, I this has been sort of tough to chase down because I think maybe something got lost in translation a bit here because multiple reporters on Twitter were talking about this. And one of them had tweeted about what was said at the earnings report, but then like later went on to say that it, it had been kind of a poor choice of words and that they weren't disappointed okay. so much as like what what seemed to get clarified was that Square had a range of expectations for Final Fantasy 16. Have yep. I even said what game this is about yet? Uh, we have not said yet. No. Yes. Final Fantasy 16. Yes. The 16th Final Fantasy. Uh-huh, of course. Um, it it sounds like fantasies. the consensus that people landed on was that they had a range of sales expectations and that mm-hmm. it did not it did not meet the upper end of those expectations, but it still was in the range. Um, of ex- it, right, it didn't. It didn't. It cleared the bar for yes. the, one of their ranges. Yes, it, it, one it, of their it, cleared, range. it cleared. It cleared the lower bound of what they were hoping it would do, but did not uh, go much beyond that. From the sound of things, about um, as but, confusingly worded a clarification as you can get. But yes, that I, I do understand what they are trying but, to say. Yes, but but their their share price dropped pretty significantly on that news. Um, are the numbers here correct? Because in this video games chronicle story, they say. Though they have uh, their revenue intake has been up about fourteen percent, their profits are down sixty five percent. That seems like a lot. Yeah, I, I think there's probably more context we don't have there. Okay, uh, around why that might be the case. Like, did they? What are they doing with the Final oh, Fantasy remake stuff that I, is costing so much? I think I no. I, I think I saw. Um, did they acquire somebody? No, I I don't I lack the business vocabulary to really explain this, but I think I saw that like they wrote off, I don't know what the term is, that like all of the cost of Final Fantasy 16 was accounted for in Q1's earnings, I believe, or something oh. along those lines. Essentially, okay. they absorbed they absorbed the entire cost of making that game up front, which probably I Oh, guess, okay. So I not like amortized or whatever yeah, over time yeah, yeah, yeah again i'm i, I yeah. can't quite elaborate on that but that that was the impression that i got um, okay anyway like it it i think the game did fine it did not like blow the doors off in a way that they may have maybe uh would have hoped but but like honestly though like there are numbers in this story uh it it, it sold about three million 
in the first week, which is not that far behind the Final Fantasy VII remake. Hmm. So I, that's not that bad. No, no. People would, you know, developers three, three would love to have that. They, you know, that uh, Final Fantasy VII remake did three and a half. Um, so it's not, it is hardly some abject failure. No. Uh, but again, but the thing with Square Enix and repeatedly is that they come up with these expectations and we have no idea what they are actually basing these on, whether it's reality or not, because it feels like every single goddamn thing they put out, with the exception of Final Fantasy Remake, has been like, eh, didn't quite hit what we were hoping. It, it, yeah. does, it does feel like an oft-repeated story. Yeah, and I don't, you know, it's... Uh, we are not a business podcast, so whether their stock price going down a bit or, or you know, more than a bit is indicative of any kind of trouble. I, I could, I couldn't say personally. Oh maybe, no, maybe, I, mean, I sure. haven't followed their I don't stock think they're price. In trouble. Sure. Yeah. Share, I just think share price. Yeah. Share price is always always just runs on emotion. Yeah, <laughs> investors <laughs> are just irrational human beings, and just like Final Fantasy characters. But again, it's it's not that I think they're in trouble or anything. It's more that just like. Yeah. It feels like the leadership there has these absolutely lofty expectations that seem to just beam in out of a reality that is not the thing that keeps happening to them. So I just don't know, like, okay, well, who do you talk to about changing these expectations? Because mm. this keeps happening. And it's now apparently it's not just your Western studios because you don't have any more of those. So you can't blame them for this shit anymore. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I From, you know, scuttlebutt and, and anecdotally, this sounds like a pretty good final fantasy game people if not bloated in some parts it's remember, good I, you, it's good said, i am yeah i i am still making i am still slowly making my way through it um i but am going a, to finish it i was hoping to finish it before i leave for a couple weeks but i'll have to get back to it when i get back there is just man too much busy work in that thing busy people work. who have played it will know like the number of times it feels like they just send you back to martha's rest on another errand <laughs> I quite literally had to go back to Martha's Rest for like the fourth time recently to hire a carpenter. Okay. Literally. <laughs> that and like, then, go there, do like one fight, go talk to the carpenter and ask if he'll come help you and then go back. It's like, wait, I don't what's know it called the, again. What Mar- rest? Martha's Rest is just a village. It's just one of the towns in the game. Okay. But it's just, it just, for whatever reason is, is well, there are characters there who are relevant to the story, but it's just like. It's it's just an example I'm trying to give that people mm-hmm. will probably identify with who have played the game of just like, oh, you know, I came through here and did like the heavy story stuff 10 hours ago or something, you know, but it's just like every time there's a lull between these big crazy boss fights or, or big story beats, it's just like, go run another errand for 30 minutes that mm-hmm. <laughs> probably did not need to be actual gameplay. Too much MMO in yes, my non-MMO. It, it very much feels like that. Uh, I, I still, I'm, I, I do want to see where the story goes, though. But Square Enix, what you got going on? Uh, let's no talk about knows. who knows. Uh, let's talk about Microsoft and their move. Well, their relationship with Right to Repair, Brad Shoemaker. You put the story in here about yeah. them now selling parts. For this is just like a way to go because I think didn't we talk? We talked about this when they announced it. Yeah, like a year ago or something. I don't remember when they put out that release saying like, "Hey, we're going to start selling repair parts because we have to." Or First, they were like investigating we're, it, right? They said they were going to like, "We're going to look into this." We've got like yeah. a committee to look yes. into this. Yes. Uh, you know. I, 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 I misspoke. They didn't have to, but it seemed like they might end up having to. Yeah. Like there's there. The legislation has not happened yet, but there seems to be more and more momentum for this kind of thing. Uh, so they are now selling repair parts for controllers. 
I think it's just controllers so far. That's what uh, at least is on their store. Yeah, but it's like it's kind of everything, you know. It's like button sets. It's PCBs for. It's like you can get the input PCB or the PCB and motor assembly for the actual controller for like the rumble and stuff uh, here. And then the other th- the, the the real re- the other reason I put this in here is they put up like pretty good teardown videos about how to do this stuff. Like that was the thing I kind of. Mm. In fact, I think that was something that people who are big advocates for this kind of thing were worried about when companies like Microsoft started talking about doing this. It's like, are they going to throw it up on some hard to find webpage with no instructions and just like leave people their own devices? Cause that's like barely useful to people. If you just sell them expensive parts with no idea of what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I, I scrubbed through, they have like a nice 15 minute teardown video of like, here's exactly here are the tools you're going to need to open up this controller. Here's mm-hmm. like, where to insert the pry tool to get it open. Like it is, it's like pretty nice shots. Nice camera work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the thing I'll say for, for my two cents here, and I'm very happy they're doing this, especially given the ESA's stance on this stuff and how Microsoft is a pretty big player with the ESA and, um, you know, the ESA is definitely not into this kind of thing. Not into it. And I am way into it. Um, they are currently doing uh, the Elite controller and the regular Xbox controller, the the kind of the newer the newer Xbox controller. I assume it's the new Bluetooth one. Uh, they do not sell, and the thing that I I think personally, and other people might not have these problems, but it's controller drift. It's the analog sticks and controller drift of what I've had to go and repair on these. So they sell for thirty five dollars the regular Xbox controller PCB two um, analog stick. Uh, um, uh, uh, parts on there, uh, and um, the buttons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, and the um, force feedback motors, right? Th- those are part of it. They sell that as one thirty five dollar assembly, which is fine because there's no soldering. Everything's already wired in, pre-assembled, and so the videos they have show them take that PCB out with everything out attached and put it back in. I think I would like to get more granular and just be able to put in. Like I'm, I'm okay, comfortable soldering in the analog sticks. I just want OEM analog stick replacements and I'll do that work. Sell them to me for like five bucks. Uh, you know, that's, that's what I would want. This is a, definitely a step in the right direction. Um, my problem has always been when you go get third party ones to you're kind of, it's kind of a crapshoot. You're not sure what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't speak to their design here. I think I, I, I mentioned this in some other context pretty recently that the DualShock sticks, apparently the solder job is like kind of beyond normal yes. people, even according to iFixit, who would be the first people to say, no, you can do it yourself. Like, yeah. here's how. Like, even even they were like, yes, the soldering on this is very difficult if you're not very experienced. So I, yeah. I don't know if it's a similar situation here. I, I don't think so. I've done this on... I've done this on the Xbox controller oh, and, okay. it, and it has not been as bad. The, the, the PlayStation five controller is a nightmare. Is it the dual sense? Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Is a nightmare controller. I don't know if, how deep I know, Brad, you opened one up, right? Like they have, uh, no, that was a dual shock four that I did okay. recently. I've never opened it. I would be afraid to open a dual sense. They they're are still so new. They are ridiculous in there. Even, uh, their PCBs are, they have film, uh, PCBs basically, which it, the whole thing is very complicated. Uh, and don't forget you've got the, the feedback on the, uh, haptics on the triggers and all that stuff. I think I want to say when last time I did this, the analog sticks on the, um, 
on the Microsoft PCB are through hole, like just f- six tabs, I think. Maybe maybe on the on that I'm not sure. I, don't quote me on that, obviously, but it, I don't remember it being that big an issue, like an incredibly hard issue. It wasn't like a bunch of surface mounted nonsense on it. Uh, I think it was, you know, up, down, left, right, and then the click in and a ground. I, I think I could be I, I could be wrong on that. Um, but I replaced them, and then the one I got also was like didn't didn't work that well, and yeah. that controller wound up hitting the bin. Yes, uh, aftermarket sticks are kind of a crapshoot. Um, so thirty-five bucks for the PCB, the most of the innards, let's say, not the cosmetic stuff. Not terrible, but a yeah. new controller is what sixty bucks, fifty bucks. Um, I forget how much a current one is. Like I, not I, a I novelty a, I, one. I bought a new one for like forty bucks on. Like okay, you can find, you can find sales on them yeah. pretty regularly, but so like you're 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 a kind of approaching maybe just got a new stick at some point. Land though that you know look. For me, it's it's not only just repairing it; it's keeping it out of the trash, which is nice. Yes. So uh, I think it's sixty regular, sixty like retail MSRP. Yes. Um, and it's probably worth noting at this point. Uh, while again, I love this; I think this is the right thing for everyone to do. They are just; it seems like the shell. They're just doing the black and the white. Uh, so if you have a red one, which is what I have, and your dog chews your red shell, yeah, you you are replacing the that with just yes, the, that, the white and the black that, that's been an issue with um nintendo basically established that lifetime policy of replacing joy cons with drift because of the class action lawsuit yeah like you can get those replaced in perpetuity they do not guarantee you will get the same color back oh really so okay. if you've got one of the limited edition like zelda or pokemon joy cons or whatever that came with a specific switch uh-huh and you need to send it in for stick drift every possibility you'll just get a gray one back. See, That's I don't love funny. that. Yeah. Which is a, a rough one for sure. And you can't um, just open it and send them the parts. No, <laughs> no. At, at that point, I think I would recommend the, the switch joy, joystick replacement is not that hard. If you don't want to lose your cool, uh, unique joy con. I'm, I'm curious to see when the new switch finally comes out. Like all the talk in, um, analog sticks lately has been the hall effect sticks, which like, I, I don't, I can't fully explain the difference. I know it's like, that like the uh, like non-physical contact. Yes, yes. Yeah. The, the the parts that track the movement don't touch each other. They're using some kind of electromagnetic, yeah, uh, f- field resistance, something something. Mm-hmm. Versus the traditional ones that where like a pad wears down as the part moves back and forth on it over time. Curious to see if that ends up in official console designs anytime soon. Like say in <laughs> some new set of Joy Cons that might come with a new switch, right? I mean, look, that repair thing, my, I sent a Joy-Con in for repair. I've done it. I got it back. Same color. But now my pro controller, uh, I've had, I have to go and calibrate that thing probably every two weeks or something in their, in their calibration tool, because I'll be on the tears of the kingdom map. And suddenly the map just starts moving down on its own. Oh dear. Yeah. That's weird. I don't think I've had that with any of my pro stuff, but I had at least two Joy-Cons that got drifty. (sighs) Yeah. I, I survived until Animal Crossing came out, and then my girlfriend played something like 300 hours of Animal Crossing, and the sticks definitely did not make it through that. Look, those things wear out, um, which is, which again, which I think is why this repair stuff is so important and so great, especially as we get into things where hopefully at some point Sony and Nintendo get into this. 
this is the thing that came out of the EU recently was with battery stuff, right? Like you have to have on consumer electronics, you have to be able to replace the battery, right? Wasn't that the yes the regulation that they're trying to get through now? Uh, on it was unclear whether what the line was on handheld electronics, but um, being able to replace user replace the battery on those things seems yes. like another step in this whole bigger picture, right? Of mm-hmm. of repairing your stuff, then that would be awesome as well. Another quick note, as I'm just looking at this Microsoft Store page currently, and this is as of the 9th, you can only buy the top of the stick, not the back part of the stick, mm. <laughs> which maybe that's the thing. What that up bra- with that? I, I don't know. I don't know. What up with uh, that? I mean, look, I guess if you're breaking the back of the stick, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> with the, the back shell of that thing. What are you even doing at that point? But look, like I said, my dog chewed through a, a PlayStation controller. It's when I had to open up that DualSense controller, uh, chewed through it, and um, it was bad news in there. It was, actually, it was a, it was the PlayStation Four controller my dog did, and even that was bad news in there. Uh, cool stuff. I'm um I'm way into it. Making it easy for people to do also awesome. I think selling as much as I'd rather them even get more granular in the parts they sell. Selling the things just all wired up together as one kit probably the way to go make it easy for people to just drop in and get it more stuff do we ever see brad question do we see them do this for anything with inside series x hey mm. your fa- your fan making a lot of noise here we go there's an oem cooler uh you will not void your warranty going inside your xbox series x to change a fan that would be cool that would, be, would cool. be cool my switch fan needs to have some work done on it mm. and i don't necessarily want to get in there. it goes like for a little bit when it, i bet that's not the hardest swap i looked it up once and was and a lot of people got into like aftermarket coolers on that thing and i was like mm-hmm. should i do that what if you liquid cooled your switch okay we are moving on ridiculous that thing should not need liquid cool i'll just wait till the hang next on one. hang on now i need to know if somebody's done that of course they've done it somebody has put a switch in like a mineral oil bath and just done that of course they've done it. Don't be silly. Uh, speaking of putting things in ridiculous coolants and stuff, Alex, you went, you went, you I went, went to Evo. I didn't you go anywhere. To, I'm at home, to- <laughs> man. I don't leave this place. You watched some Evo? I did. I watched almost all of it, or at least all the main stage stuff. Um, what, what was the main stage? I mean, obviously, Street Fighter Six was huge, but what else? What else makes it on the main stage at this point? Well, so it, it's over the course of three nights. Uh, oh, the opening night main stage finals is only well, this year was only Mortal Kombat Eleven because um, it was the last time that game will be appearing as like mm. a main attraction at Evo. Um, that was actually uh, to me one of the better ones of the of the whole thing because the. I will just say so the the current dominance in in Mortal Kombat 11 were a pair of I want to say Chilean twins. Okay. One of which won last year. Uh but then they were both in the finals this year and one of the other players essentially out of loser's bracket had to run through both of them to win and they did. <laughs> okay. And they did it with the most annoying uh Fujin you've ever seen in your fucking life and it was kind of amazing. Um, but as far as the other games, like Street Fighter Six was the headliner. On night three, the other ones were uh, Ultimate Mar- Marvel versus Capcom three, Tekken seven, and Guilty Gear. And then the night before that, Dragon Ball was the headliner, and it was like Blaze Blue, uh, uh Melty Blood, 
uh, a couple of other things, which I didn't. Those are the ones I didn't watch. Man, Dragon Ball Fighters still going, dude. Yeah, and it's you know like I it wasn't my favorite Dragon Ball uh, top six or anything, but it was fun. Like that game is still a ton of fun to watch. Street Fighter Six though was fucking hype. I gotta say, like yeah. that was I think to me the most exciting one. There were a lot of mirror matches at the end uh, this year in a lot of games. I'm not really sure why that happened. Uh, but the lead up to to like all all of top six and Street Fighter was fucking fantastic. Tokido had a little bit of a, a Cinderella run for a while there as one of the old men of uh, of Street Fighter, uh, and the the final match had Blanca in it. So I'm I'm I was pretty excited about that. Any like uh, any not main event stage stuff that you were able to see or or witness that was like custom character fights going on for street fighter i didn't catch any of that as okay. far as i can tell is if you're in the main street fighter tournament you have to play one of the main characters I hope so, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. uh but yeah no it's just like you know i think street fighter and mortal kombat were my favorites this year tekken is always fun dragon ball is always fun they weren't my favorite finals but it was it was a good evo all around if you are a, an evo fan if you are a fan of the evolution championship series uh put your fingers in your ears because i'm about to ask a real dumb question but uh Alex Navarro, what's the state of Smash in Evo? Non-existent, as far no, as I know. Okay, uh, there is, it's like at Nintendo least not, still... Maybe people are running tournaments on the side, uh, okay. but it is definitely not part of the main stage uh, lineup that I could tell. Okay, is that by choice or is that by mandate? I forget where All that right. stuff bared out at a certain point. I know that Nintendo was being a real dickbag about it for a while, as like people doing tournaments outside their very narrow structure for their competitive stuff uh but yeah i haven't seen smash was at evo for a while i don't know if it's because it just fell out of favor or what but it has not been in the main stage i think the last couple of years at least okay well fun evo for a bunch of reasons you got street fighter 6 and you had um the finals of uh, or the final showing probably of mortal kombat 11 i guess if i guess if mk1 is a real bomb they'll stick with 11 but that seems unlikely you know what it is? Is Mortal Kombat never does, never has like a gigantic following at mm. Twitch. Like there are years where it has a greater prominent placement, but like a lot of the time, it feels very much like uh, it is kind of a second fiddle game to a lot of other stuff. And maybe it just doesn't have the same player base as like Street Fighter. Um, but yeah, like I don't feel like Mortal Kombat is ever like the game at Evo. Like maybe not in the competitive fighting scene, but my understanding is that sales wise, it like blows every other oh. fighting franchise out of the water. Mm. Oh yeah, no, it's fantastic as far as sales go, but um, it is not. Uh, it is, it is just never like the number one headliner for that show. Yeah, you- it seems like it usually gets like what a year, maybe two years before it kind of drops off the main stage. Did you Something mention like Tekken that. Seven? Yeah, there. Okay, it so was it was on it was on day three, but it was like the second day three finals, not the head. It had headlined, I think, last year at least, if not a couple of years okay. prior to that. So probably last big Tekken Seven showing as well, right? Well, they kept saying during the commentary, "We think this is the last time Tekken Seven <laughs> okay. will appear," but given that it does not have a final release date sure. yet, I guess they're just hedging their bets. Okay. Um. Well, there was some uh, news there, or, or fighting game news, but I, um, uh, I'm i not in the fighting game scene, and then further removed, I'm not in the Killer Instinct scene, but Brad... You are, you're aware? I feel like you're, yeah. you're, you are, um, you're a full gore main? Xbox, la- Xbox One launch game, Killer Instinct, is getting an update. What does that mean? Courtesy of Iron Galaxy. <laughs> Coming out of retirement. 
to it's been I don't know how long since it got an update. I think it's been several years since they stopped putting out content for that thing. It's been quite some time. They did keep it going for quite a while once they started putting like the battle toads in there and stuff. Uh kind of want to pull up a full list of characters now. Didn't didn't Master Chief get in there as well? Oh, and and the Arbiter. From, yes. Uh from Halo. Like they were kind of right. General Rom from Gears of War is now in there. Like they definitely started pumping some interesting guest characters into Killer Instinct for a while, but uh I'm not sure when season three ended. And anyway, Killer Instinct is basically done, but Iron Galaxy announced at Evo like they're going to do a big balance update and like fix the matchmaking and uh put out a 4K patch for the new Xboxes. That's wild. It's it, they're actually calling it a 10th anniversary update. Sure. Uh which I mean that's awesome. Like I I'm not, you know, I I don't have any particular affection for that Killer Instinct. It was uh, good. I yeah, mean, I, I didn't play a ton it. of it, but it was fine. Like I I didn't play a bunch of it is what I mean, but it, but it's awesome that they're doing this. Like how often does a 10-year-old game get an update like this? I yeah, I Who do you think's who's back in this one? Is that just uh, Microsoft? Just yeah. I mean, some you, you never know how stuff like this starts. Like no. it could have been somebody at Iron Galaxy just like <laughs> kind of kept the flame kindled all this time and made an <laughs> argument, ran it up the up, upstairs and like convinced people with money that this should be funded. Do you think this has any? Should we just take this as face value and be like, look, this is the update for this, or does this have any kind of? seeding for more killer instinct i don't know just maybe just know. take this one as a face value yeah like i yeah. I, wouldn't, I would i certainly would not expect like a season four or an, a new killer instinct or anything okay. like that off of this but but they are getting it like you know nice and playable on the new console i, I have no idea what the nature of the matchmaking update is but if you're doing a match or i'm not, sorry not matchmaking the balance update mm-hmm. i have no idea what that entails but if you're doing a balance update after this long i assume it's because People in the hardcore community have identified some unbalanced stuff that they would very much like tweaked. I mean, in that uh, so, quote, right, it said uh, more Killer Instinct for the next 10 years, which is like... Yeah, that one's like, yeah, <laughs> said, sure. Like, okay. Sure, all right. I'll believe right. that when I see it. But like, <laughs> presumably there are some balanced things that, that fans were not thrilled with and also they're fixing matchmaking and yeah, they're just, they're making it viable in an ongoing way. That's cool. That's, it's fun. That sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, there are some killer instinct fans out there uh yeah. what's the what's the skeleton's name the the like spinal 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 yes. like possibly the best name ever for a skeleton character look my my basically my beginning and end with killer instinct is the announcer right was which mm-hmm. was ridiculous and also the look of that game which was mm-hmm. ridiculous uh, yes. but i was terrible at it and i was garbage killer instinct every player. everything about ki is such ridiculous 90s like extreme <laughs> attitude uh, like yes. post Mortal Kombat, like we've got to be, we need to be over the top too. Uh, the um, only way this announcement could have been better is if they were streaming and then they interrupted with a combo breaker for this announcement. Uh huh. Look, I know three things about Killer Instinct. One of them is combo breaker. Is there a better name than Spinal? First, most most games wouldn't even name their skeletons. Most most games don't allow the skeletons to have names. Um, Mr. Bones. Uh, no, that's pretty good. Bony guy. Uh, 
Reggie Reggie Mortis. I guess that'd be a good zombie name. That's more of a corpse name. Yeah. yeah, Wait, yeah. Are these are these from actual things or are you just coming out of these just off the head? These, I mean, look, Mr. Bones could be a real thing because that's, okay. that's obvious. Um, somebody else says uh, Mort was the 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 skull skull in the Planescape. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Did uh, yeah. who's the character from Medieval must have a name, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely must have a name. I'm sure, like Undead Fred or something. I don't know. Yes, uh, I don't know. Spinal, spinal, e- spinal, easily a top ten skeleton. Yes. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for uh, the news uh, for now. Sir Daniel Fortescue is oh. the name of the medieval character. Okay, M- medieval. Uh. That's going to do it for the news. Uh, we are going to roll into the emails now. We have an email address at podcast at nextlander.com. Podcast at nextlander.com. Hold on. Let me get this document open because, Brad, you said you were going to drop a link on us. Yes. yes. Our, email. our email for this week is from Brandon, but there is no body. There is just a, <laughs> a URL. Subject line, people driving into the ocean because of GPS directions, five exclamation marks. Oh, oh boy. Oh. Which, oh, no. which we talked about, <laughs> which you 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 proposed as a social experiment on the Ramblecast. Yesterday. I did not propose that we should do it. I suppose uh, what it, I just said it was going to happen as a thought experiment. We said, uh, how long would it take? How many people yes. could you get to detour if you hacked GPS, uh, say Google Maps, Waze, or Apple Maps? Well, if you click that link, you will. Okay, I'm clicking this link. You will get some indication. Oh boy, uh, Brad, do you want to read the headline on this news story? Another tourist following GPS directions mistakenly drives car into Hawaii Harbor. Okay, so Alex is the one who said, I said, could you get people to drive a certain 15 minutes out of their way to a certain destination? And Alex said, you could get people to just drive drive off off into the the river. Drive into the East River. Yes. Well, Uh, guess what? (laughs) I guess. Oh, man. Now, Now you don't have to run the experiment anymore. Uh, how? I'm sorry. I'm scanning this story. Uh, <laughs> how did this, uh, okay. Good Samaritan. She was okay. This person uh, yes. heads up was all right, but, uh, the driver got out, was using GPS that led her to take that route. <sighs> look, look folks, we gotta, we gotta do this together. We got. We gotta. We we we're, we're gonna need everyone on board on this one. All right. I'm gonna need you to start watching the road a little bit more and a little less the phone screen that is showing you a little map thing because, uh, as it turns out, that thing is not 100 percent reliable. We're gonna have to work on this. We're we're gonna have to take some of this on us. All right. Mm-hmm. We're gonna. It's get on us. On. It's it's really it's on us. Um. All right, Brad. Do we have any other emails Let's that came in for this week? Call it there for this. Week. Oh, okay. Uh, you can send in your emails to podcast at nextlander.com. That's podcast at nextlander.com. And that is going to do it for this week's show. Brad, have some safe travels out there. Yeah, thank you. We, uh, like that's we said be before. Coming, coming to you from your coast soon. That's mm-hmm. great. The best coast, the East Coast. Um, like we said before, uh, Brad's going to be uh, uh, traveling, which means uh, if you want to catch up on our Remnant 2 series, you can now. We have, uh, I think, about three sessions up. 
Uh, we had at least f- maybe four. I can't remember. Three in the last week. There was one more before that. That was like was a, there a week in between? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you can check those out. We're going to be taking a little break from that as we explore some other options. Like I said before, on Friday we're going to have Abby Russell come join us for some Boulder's Gate Three. Gonna have, having having played that myself now, the potential for chaos in a co-op stream yes. seems high. Could be. Hey, look, I've, we were going to start with three slots open because you're going to be traveling. If you want to come join us at a, at a certain date uh, for that fourth character, just saying, open invite there. What if, what if you take on someone with a dark urge? Oh, no. I don't know if we have room for the dark urge. Uh, I'm, I don't know if you can make the dark urge as an add-in multiplayer character. I'm, I'll be curious to see. Uh, some of the multiplayer stuff still a bit of a black box for me. Uh, we've got, uh, we started uh, Serial Experiments Lane over on the Watchcast. So we have episodes one, two, and three, layers one, two, and three, mm-hmm. now uh, recorded and up. You can check that out out over at patreon.com slash nextlander. We had a ramble cast where you can decide if Dan Reichert's two-day work week retire at you 45. You have never been a better podcast. Sorry, what did I say? You said Ramblecast. We also have the Ramblecast. We there, also but have Dan, that. Dan Reichert wasn't on that one. Um, Man, I, I like the sound of his platform. Two-day work, what was it? Two-day work week, retire at 45 at $75,000 a year. Um, Open borders. Open borders, uh, get rid of the Supreme Court. So, and also uh, all the bees. Oh, yes. All the insects are basically also dead, except for crickets. So you can see... Uh, uh, a very Dan Reichert, <laughs> never been a better a podcast. Very Dan Reichert. <laughs> did I did I did I intuit from Discord chatter that one of his solutions was to just print enough money to make this happen? Yes. Dan backed himself into the trillion okay. dollar coin somehow. Okay, maybe, uh, maybe maybe some implementation details to iron out. Yeah, you know, uh, he seemed a little alarmed when I told him there are actually people whose job it is to make sure that never happens. Uh, he was just going to secretly pay off all the debts uh, by printing some money. So look. There are people that are not, Dan, that are academics that talk about this stuff, too, in ways that maybe have a little bit weirder. I'm not saying I agree with them, but their platform is not too far off from Dan's. What if we just made up money to pay off debt? What is what is current money? What is, what is fiat currency? Who am I to know? say he's wrong about that? That's just right. I mean. Who am I? Maybe killing the bees was a thing. Anyway, I, you can I, check I can't, even as what? someone who's allergic Ooh. to bees, I can't quite get behind that one. Yeah, that, that, that might have some unforeseen consequences no, or i think for, they're very foreseen yeah, they're yeah. extremely yes. foreseen <laughs> fair yes, actually, uh, yes but you can check that out uh, with a bunch more stuff on never been a better podcast like uh i was uh, uh reminded we also have a ramble cast up where we talk about uh, uh the wonderful world of technology for a while and gps and ain't it uh, just ain't it just I uh, check that all those things over on patreon.com slash nextlander. And just a quick reminder, because Patreon keeps reminding us if you notice uh, anything funky with your payment stuff, apparently there was like some banking switch they had on their back end. Uh, so if you are like, where is my podcast? Uh, just make sure to go check that stuff out. If you're, if you lost your feed or something's not coming through some payments, got more payments than usual, I guess got bounced around this time. Uh, also on uh, patreon.com slash nextlander is a tier along with the other fine tiers there called the Mysterious Benefactors Tier. And they get their names read on this here podcast. Alex Navarro, can you read this week's Mysterious Benefactors for us? Not only can I read, I can read these Mysterious Benefactors. Fantastic. And they are Ryan Waterman, RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Kelly F., 
Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Deirdre, Seventh Level Warlock, Gary Pejski, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Fiend also claims to be a room temperature superconductor, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane, Razgriz 2, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Teepkin, Alex Wu, It's Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Trees. Thanks to our mysterious benefactors for this week. Thanks for supporting us throughout. Some of those names, longtime supporters, and we really appreciate it. Thanks happy to, to have e- you. Happy to have you. And thanks to everyone who has supported us, whether it's on Patreon, watching our stuff over on YouTube and Twitch, and all around listening to our fantastic Next Lander content. Allegedly. <laughs> hey, listen. I don't want to make any bold claims here. I don't want to get sued for false advertising. People out there say it's great. Never been a better podcast. Uh, sometimes I even get the name right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Look. Look. Mostly. Mostly. At night. Mostly. Uh, Brad, again, safe travels out there. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll catch up with you next week from, uh, from the East Coast. Uh, Alex Navarro, I'm going to see you tonight for some dinner. Yeah. We'll go, we can uh, do now, that now. <laughs> yeah. Now you're a Jersey boy. I got a I, car. I'm on this side of the state line. Let's do it. That's true. You got a car. I don't, but, uh, that's why you drive. You only need the, one. Is they the only need one. That's right. Fantastic. We'll just keep an eye on that GPS this time. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Brad. And we'll be back next week.